Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome To Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll discuss the departure of Kazuchika Okada and cover all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com. Slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. So, young boy, what do you want to talk about? You're on mute. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I was on mute, and uh, you didn't catch my laugh. I was going to make... Literally the same joke as you. <laughs> and you fucking stole it. <laughs> it's not like anything crazy is going on in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, I mean, it's going to be a light show this week, guys. You yeah, know. I think we need to open up talking about Tamatonga. Uh, <laughs> I would like to talk about the B-Fit match for the KOPW title between... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh, man. Um, I feel like... I don't know why my voice just cracked there. Um, I feel like this is going to be in the history books, not just one of, obviously this is a monumentous moment and occasion of what's going on in history with Perezu and New Japan and wrestling in general. But for this show is probably one of the most important shows we've ever done. Um, and if you notice, we've been kind of noticeably quiet on, you know, social media regarding this issue um i don't know jeremy i just i didn't feel the need like a lot of and i'm not throwing shade but i felt like you know everybody and their mother felt like they needed to rush to the microphone and get their hot takes out there and react as uh 
quickly as possible about this and nothing wrong with that it's a it's a very emotional announcement the departure from new japan wrestling of kazushiko kata but for me it struck me in a way where i was like damn i just need to sit on this for a little bit kind of collect my thoughts um kind of analyze the situation give myself a little bit of breathing room so that we can you know give you know accurate coverage and and you know all that sort of thing yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, like, I, I like to save all my, my takes as much as possible for the show. I mean, that's what people that tune in for, they listen to, you know, every week they come to hear, you know, our ratings, takes, and opinions. So, yeah, a lot of times I don't, I'm not always on X or Twitter, you know, shooting off my, my opinions and thoughts. And like you said, no offense to anybody who did that. Obviously, it's a very big story, very emotional story. And so I get people wanting to, you know, jump out, get their thoughts out, do their emergency podcast but for me i was like you know i want to yeah i want to sit on it for a while i want to chew on it i want to i want more info to come out because i know i don't want to do an emergency podcast and then his official signing to you know aw or WWE happens the next day you know and it's old news so um yeah i'm glad that we you know kind of set back wait kind of let more information get out there more reporting get out there and even comments from okada Tanahashi and Tokyo Sports, so mm-hmm. uh, I think we have a little bit more context, a little bit more details, and so we can kind of accurately assess the situation, um, kind of give our feelings and talk about it. Yeah, um, one thing I just want to get out of the way uh, before we continue: um, this news dropped Thursday evening here in uh, North America. It, I, I guess that by that point it was Friday morning for uh you know those over in japan but i had my series 65 exam the following day and i'm getting ready to go to bed early and i'm sitting on the john and i got my i'm scrolling through my phone and then like i'm literally getting ready for bed and then suddenly like i just see the black and white logo and i was like like i was in there alone (laughs) and i like shrieked i was like oh no And, uh, you know, my girlfriend was in the other room. She's like, what? What happened? And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, just I'm sitting there in disbelief, like reading over this over and over again. I'm like, this can't like this can't be real. Like, uh, yeah. So and then I'm sitting there thinking, like, I got to, you know, take this test tomorrow and, you know, got to get in the right headspace. Uh, luckily, uh, just so everybody knows, and I, I this is unrelated i did pass my series 65 so i have now obtained my six my 63 my 65 and the sie so you know as soon as a position with my company opens up i am fully fully licensed to be a financial advisor the good news for this show that means i'll be making more money um and it means i'll be spending less time studying for fucking tests that (laughs) you know a lot less stress in life (laughs) yeah man big congratulations on that i know you've been studying and taking tests for a long time now and something you've been pouring a lot of hard work on and you know that it's serious when you're taking time away from wrestling because as far as i've known you you're your free time you're you're making lists you're 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 doing (laughs) rankings you're like you're you're in the wrestling world, so I that's know called autism is what that's called. <laughs> no nah, man, um, it's... but um, 
Yeah. Uh, then as soon as I passed the test, right. So I, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't focus on this. I got to tune this out. Got to get in the zone. And then I, I, I passed the test. I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, so happy. And then I get back to my car and I open up my phone and then I have to face the realization that <laughs> I'm facing the reality of a, you know, sans Okada new Japan pro wrestling. And like, I was like, what the fuck am I going to even what am I going to do? What am I going to say about this one when the time comes to record this episode? So yeah, wild shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was home Thursday night with the wife. Uh, she has me watching. This is us. Um, mm, so, I heard that was whack. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Come this <laughs> rom commy drama kind of show, you know, whatever. She watches dynamite with me. I'll, I'll watch her little, you know, show, whatever. And so we're we're watching that, and yeah, the the black and white logo comes up on X. The group chat starts firing up. The Discord starts going off. I'm like, no, this can't be. Like, I was I was shocked. Uh, like, I know we speculated on you know him being with Barry Bloom, and then last week we talked about him trademarking Rainmaker, and we're like. It's not a good sign. That don't look good. Uh, like yeah. Why else would he trademark Rainmaker in the U.S.? Um, and so, I mean, we kind of had a feeling it was happening, and then the bomb just dropped. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like this is a very multifaceted uh, thing to discuss. There's a lot to talk about his legacy, uh, what this means for the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, the booking implications, um, kind of a retrospective of creative from the past year, what, you know, what his two major decisions, AEW versus WWE look like, how does WWE, how does New Japan pivot and, you know, react to all this? And there's just a lot to kind of unload here. I know we got a lot of questions, so I'm going to kind of, um, rest on you to guide us through this thing because <laughs> I don't even know where to start. All right, well, let's start with reading some of like, the news updates that came out. Um, so it was announced Thursday night that Kazuchika Okada uh, would be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling when his contract expires at the end of January. His next destination has not been revealed. Uh, Sports Illustrated reported that the 36-year-old Okada was seriously entertaining the idea of signing with WWE or AEW. So New Japan posted on their site. Kazuchika Okada will be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling after the conclusion of his contract January 31st. We apologize to fans for the abrupt nature of the announcement, but join them in wishing Okada the very best in his future. And then Okada said, I have nothing but gratitude for having been a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling since 2007 and for NJPW bringing me from a 19-year-old kid off the plane in Mexico to the rainmaker I am today. Thank you to the best of of companies in NJPW to the best of opponents that I've been able to face here and to the best of fans that have cheered and booed over the years. I promise to make it rain in every match I have left. So keep watching. And so after that, we saw um, some shifting of the cards for the new beginning tour. Um, so, um, Okada, like we mentioned, his contract's up January 31st. His final appearances will uh, be February 11th in Osaka and then the 23rd and 24th in Sapporo. So he's actually technically going to be, quote-unquote, a freelancer for those February dates because um, his contract ends the 31st. So on 20, January 24th, Okada will have his last New Japan match in Cork and Hall 
uh, where he will defend the never open weight six man tag team championships, which was originally supposed to happen at New Beginning in Osaka. So hmm. Team Hall of Fame will defend against TMDK, Kosei Fujita, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Hayes on January 24th um, in Corrigan Hall. And then, Is that the same team that they were slated to face, or was no, Zach supposed to be? No, it was always Fujita, because that was the angle they shot um, at New Year's okay. Dash, um, with Fujita kind of getting in Okada's face, and Okada being like, you're not ready, kid. Right. Um, so that match was New Beginning Osaka. That's now happening uh, this coming up week on the road to New Beginning, Cork and Hall, January 24th. Um, and then February 11th, New Beginning Osaka, the new match is going to be Okada versus Tanahashi, and potentially one of Okada's last singles matches and the last singles match between Okada and Tanahashi, which will be the 12-year anniversary from the Rainmaker Shock, the first time they faced off, same city, same building. Uh, so kind of a poetic moment there. And then, like I mentioned, uh, he will have two final appearances in the new beginning in Sapporo, which caps off the tour, which will be February 23rd and 24th. So... Uh, more details will come for that. Uh, the Observer is reporting that, um, you know, WWE and AEW have both made offers to him. Um, you know, we've been hearing different things, and it seems like at one point, like, WWE was a really strong front runner, but then, you know, Tony Khan's been tweeting, uh, you know, 2024 is going to be a great year. He's been posting memes, and uh, sounds like there's an AEW offer that's good, and there are people in AEW who think that they have him, um, there have been people who are close to him that just say he just honestly doesn't know what right. he wants to do, where he wants to go. Um, so I guess first, let's just talk about uh, our, our general feelings about him leaving and just kind of what this means for New Japan and Pure Rezo as a whole. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say before I even get to that, uh, kudos to the guys over Super Cast. Because they have actually been discussing this ad nauseum um, in their Discord channel since probably, I think, late October. Now, I will say, um, I personally am not a member of that Discord. And it's not because I don't like those guys. Like, I, I talk to Damon. I talk to uh, Joel. I think they're great guys, and they do an awesome show. But for me... It, it it feels like a conflict of interest for me to be in that discord getting their scoops and then you know i don't want to be like influenced by what's going on in there and bring that to our show um but i do know that they talk to people in the company and you know um they've been saying going back to october that this is something that's been a scuttlebug they've kind of been you know dropping hints on their show and talking to people and letting them know, like, hey, here's where he's at. Here's what we're hearing. Here's what the rumors are. This is the this is the talk. And I feel like a lot of people are not really giving them the just due for having already kind of been hinting at this for, I mean, how long is that? November, uh, December, January, like three, several four months. months. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, you know, so kudos to those guys. Yeah, shout out um, to them. You know, I, I am in their Discord, but honestly, I'm not very. I'm just, I just kind of lurk in there and uh, just kind of see nice. what people say and see when people bury us um, in there. 
Uh, there was a couple a couple years ago, somebody buried us in there, but I was like, whatever. I didn't respond. Okay. So I'm yeah, I'm in the Discord. I'm, I'm lurking in there, but I don't I'm not really active. Fuck that in guy. There. <laughs> uh, I, I know I, it's a guy because ladies love kiss. <laughs> ladies love being kissed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, that's funny. What were you saying? Uh, so yeah, but I have a hard enough time keeping up with our own Discord and trying to be active in there. So yeah, I'm not. I haven't really. I wasn't really active in there, but yeah, they have been. You know, kind of pound the pavement, so to speak. And you know, their 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 deli shop, uh, the pastrami sandwiches. You know, they've been giving out the, the details and the hints and the reporting. So yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to those guys. Yeah, yeah, that's where you should go if you want the scoops. If you, if you want the good takes, ratings, and opinions, you come here. <laughs> 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 but um. Yeah, no, but, uh, you know, for real, uh, credit to those guys for doing the hard work. A lot of people, you know, uh, got caught off guard with this. And like you mentioned, we've kind of seen the tea leaves, but I've just, I personally have been one of those individuals that have been looking at all the reasons that I just think logically he would stay. Um, then the managerial shakeup that just happened recently with the ousting of Obari and other officials and bringing in uh, Tanahashi as the new presidential regime. And after that occurred, it sort of seemed to quiet down just until the most recent news about the trademarks. We hadn't heard anything about Okada leaving and that had seemed to kind of quiet down. And so that gave me a little bit of comfort. And I was like, you know what? Not to say that this wasn't a real threat that could have happened, but I'm glad it's not happening. So I was a little bit more comforted and I felt like we we're moving forward. You look at the booking of New Japan recently. I mean, he beat uh, Danielson and then he went to uh, Long Beach or where they go, San Jose, mm-hmm. and he beat Osprey and they did the big send off, you know, boohoo cry thing for Osprey. And there's no mentions of or any indication that, you know, Okada might be on the way out. The booking's. T- certainly didn't seem to indicate that so i felt a little bit comfortable in the idea that he's probably sticking around and whatever that trademark stuff was has nothing to do with him leave i knew it was i knew it was realistically a possibility i just didn't believe it i didn't think he was going to leave i mean and part of it is historical precedent there has never ever 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 in the history of japanese pro wrestling been a major ace a major you know front facing he is the top premier star of the company much less you know expound on that and let's say he is the biggest star in all of japanese professional wrestling period he is the premier guy in the premier promotion they have never jumped to an american company not once the closest thing that you might be able to point to in recent times is like nakamura who was like number three maybe number four in the company at the time of his jumping. And that was a huge deal, but this is even bigger than that. And I didn't fathom that it would actually happen. Um, but there's a lot of reasons to, to see that it was a high likelihood. I just didn't think it was really going to happen. So I was, I I've been shocked and I'm still kind of shocked at it. And it's hard to sort of accept that this is what's happening. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we, we, we kind of saw that the hints, the, the tea leaves, but like you said, historically, it just it didn't happen. This is not, you know, Western wrestling where top guys jump all the time. Hulk Hogan jumps to WCW and guys mm-hmm. are jumping to WWE and going back and forth. And now, you know, we have WWE and AEW. Like, 
it's a normal kind of Western thing for you kind of go where the big money's at. You kind of go where, you know, you're going to get pushed. Whereas, yeah, Japanese wrestling, like if you are the ace of a company, like you don't leave unless you die. Like, (laughs) right. And I mean, if you look at the two, I mean, the last time there was a jump of this magnitude, it would be, you know, Mizawa and the rest of the All Japan roster jumping in 2000 to go form Noah. But this is arguably in some ways a bigger defection than that. And the only two bigger times where an ace left a company, they were both death related. That'd be Ricky Dozon when he died at the top of his game in JWA and when Mizawa died in the ring untimely as the ace of Noah. And that's it. There's And not to say that there haven't been defections certainly that has occurred in Japanese wrestling history. And we've seen instances where guys have jumped from various Japanese companies, one to another. We've seen big stars go to the West. We just never seen the tip, tip top ace guy of a major company jump. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's, that that's where it's really shocking. Yeah, I know people want to kind of compare this to Shinsuke Nakamura leaving where I, it's, it's I guess you can kind of compare it. But the, the magnitude of this is way bigger than that. At the time, Nakamura was behind Okada. He was behind Tanahashi. You can even argue who was behind Naito and Kenny Omega at that point by the time he was leaving. Or at least Naito and Omega were on the rise. And they were on their rise. Um, yeah. And we're going to eclipse him. So, like, he was like at the quote unquote like number three guy leaving, mm-hmm. which was still a, a a big deal losing him, but they had the roster ready to slide right up when he was gone. Um and it wasn't as impactful as like in that time period like if Tanahashi or Okada had left, like that would have been huge. Uh but Nakamura leaving is not as big as Okada leaving right now. It wasn't as big um just from the stance that he wasn't as uh biggest star at that time um as okada is currently but it also was different because yeah his defection along with um aj styles and good brothers all kind of leaving at the same time is a huge huge deal but the company was in a much healthier place when that happened like he had already kind of given the reins of chaos over to okada he'd already put over tanahashi as the, the winner of their generational feud. He'd already kind of helped, you know, create Kota Ibushi's star and everything like that. And when he left, I mean, they had Jay White, you know, coming back from excursion not too far in the future. Naito's on his uh, ascension. Um, Kenny Omega's on his ascension. There's a lot of guys, you know, elevating, including Shibata and stuff like that, all at the same time. And he kind of, he kind of, could like you said, could see where things were headed as far as his role in the company was concerned. This is very different. I mean, um, Okada's leaving at a time where the company is not at its healthiest. Obviously, a lot of that is um, COVID, post-COVID related. Um, but a lot of Okada's contemporaries have left in recent years, and their bo- or their bodies have broken down, or they've slowed down. And he's not at a place where he he has been utilized in the past year or two to put over the next generation. So 
we don't have that tip top guy ready to go at this moment. The company's kind of on unsteady water and it's a situation where the booking and creative of this company didn't utilize Okada to get that next generation ready the way that we thought that they were starting to with the, the him versus the new generation storyline last year. They kind of abandoned that at the middle point of the year. And now, now it's too late to even do that because um, you know, we don't know what his last two dates are, but let's say if you do decide to run some sort of angle and put one of those guys over him on the way out, it's going to ring disingenuous. It's going to ring uh, last resortish and kind of like last minute shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not going to have the same effect as it would have if he had been working with these guys, having singles matches, you know, speaking of like the Rewa Musketeers and, you know, the, the young generation that's coming up behind him. And we don't have those guys quite ready. They're going to have to probably figure something out in this next calendar year to get somebody really elevated but it's just a totally different situation than when Nakamura left. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the, the booking and him not wrestling or putting over the young guys. Like when you look back at 2023's booking of him, it's very baffling. And I know there are a lot of people kind of speculating and you know trying to put their uh, tenfold hats on to see, you know, how long did the company know that he could potentially be leaving. And what was kind of their game plan And you know based off of some comments That Okada made in Tokyo Sports It sounded like this Past year was the fifth year In a five year contract Um, So that they knew That all right, well at least they should Have known this is his last year In the contract and You know normally If you're ace you you follow up And you try to get a new deal on table And get him signed for five more years and so I feel like, and when you look at the booking pattern, we talk about it, you know, when we do our awards and just kind of how everything went with him, like first half of the year, awesome. You know, he's Jumbo Saruda. He's feuding with all uh, the Rewa Musketeers, all the young guys, Kiyomiya, big stuff. Then Forbidden Door happens, and he then it's a totally different thing, and he's just doing the never six man stuff and not really involved in like a super heated program. And it's like, okay, what happened from beginning of the year to then? And then the second half of the year, it just seems like he was kind of on the back burner. So I'm like, all right, did they figure out at some point? All right. Like he, maybe they did offer him something. And he's like, I'm not ready to sign. And they're like, Oh crap. Like maybe he is potentially leaving, which in that case, if you knew that there's a chance that he might leave, why not continue the story of him facing these young guys and then heat them up and yeah, have him have matches with these guys. Even if you didn't want to beat him, like we saw what Osprey and Umino and Osprey and Suji, like what that did for those guys. Like if they were able to mix it up with Okada on a big stage in a big main event, that would have helped them greatly. Even though, I mean, I, th- I think they probably should, should have won to kind of help elevate them. But even if they lost, like I think that would still help them kind of going toe-to-toe with Okada on a big stage, but they didn't do that. I'll be right back. I'll respond to that in a second. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Jeremy. And I mean, the funny thing is we were likening him to Jumbo Saruda in that entire instance, and it turns out he wound up being um, Tenru instead. You know, Tenru 
kind of was the one that facilitated the necessity for them to push the the four pillars at that time because of his exodus from all japan pro wrestling to go uh help form super world of sport and that put jumbo in that situation where he needed to be the big boss for mizawa and all those guys and it turns out now the way that it's looking that's naito naito's actually the jumbo in this situation not okada so yeah. it, that that's very different than what we kind of anticipated but um you know they said uh that management was first made aware that he wasn't resigning definitively uh this past thursday um but i i can't imagine that that's the first time that anybody in the entirety of the company knew about that just given the fact that there's been all these rumors in the press about him going to aew to check out the backstage elements and and considering everything like that him having those discussions with barry bloom him trademarking um uh rainmaker and and other likenesses and stuff like that and then just considering the state of the economy and with the yen being down and as well bushi roads uh you know stock portfolio and performance and you also kind of combine that with what i said earlier that you know super jcast who you know those guys are great they do good work but i mean let's let's face it you know their show and our show aren't necessarily like crack journalism we're not like the dave melters or the justin barrasso's of the world and even we kind of were hearing hints that this might be happening right yeah and and those guys are talking to people in the company so if they're hearing it from people in the company people then the talk is already out there you know i can't sit here and confirm and say that i know who heard what who knew what and what discussions were did or didn't take place i don't know that but there's no way that they only found out on Thursday for the yeah. very first time. Like, yeah, no, like, there's no way. There's no way. Now, granted, they might have been like me where they were aware that it was a possibility and maybe they were caught by disbelief and they just ex- you know, expected him to resign. I don't know. I mean, we're, we are speculating a bit here. And we're going to have to speculate a bit about what his motivations were as well because we don't know all the details um, as we sort of unpack this thing. But I do think that this points to a failure of creative. It points to a failure from management as well. Because if you did know, at the very least, like you mentioned, um, you know, as the people who hold the contract, when the contract's coming due. Mm-hmm. And if you know that it's a contract year and you need to be trying to resign your ace and that business has been down and and everything like that, then you need to be making preparations at the very least to try and nail things down early. And if you don't, then you need to start making those preparations to potentially exodus this person out of the company in a a fitting way that benefits your business. And the booking of of Okada, for better or for worse, I have no problem with the way he was used if he was sticking around. You know, I've loved the run that he's been on with team hall of fame in the six man tag team titles, but that's pretty much assuming that he is eventually going to be brought back into the fold of the main event scene and utilized to work with this younger talent. And now that that's not happening, it speaks to a huge creative failure from the booking team. Um, it also, when you kind of contrast that with the Sonata title run 
the Sonata title run becomes an even much greater failure than mm. it was even just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Because this was a guy that you tried it out with, you put the title on him, and you kept the title on him all year long. And there were times throughout the year where it seemed very clear that this was not working and you stuck to your guns and you continued to go that way. And if there was any indication, like let's say in August, that hype that or June, like around Dominion time, that maybe Okada's not sticking around, then maybe Dave Meltzer was right when he said that they should have pulled the trigger and put the title on Suji. Mm-hmm. You know, because that would have been, you know, putting the the jetpack on somebody and skyrocketing in them. They didn't do that. They kept the title on Sonata all year long. Now, fast forward to where we are. Okada's leaving, and Sonata does not feel like a guy in any way that you can utilize. And I had been thinking that down the line, he would fulfill a gatekeeper role, you know, but that this was my early projections when the title run was going well, that like at the end of the title run, he will be the person that people will have to beat to get to like an Okada or uh, a Naito. And you can do business that way. But his title run has been such a failure that he's no longer a guy that you can use in that way. And now you don't have Okada. So everything just kind of falls on Naito or something else. You're going to have to find out something creatively <laughs> to do this. And and the Sonata title run is an even greater failing, especially if there was any indication by, say, the halfway point of this year that maybe hypothetically Okada might not be sticking around. And at yeah. the same time, why weren't we using him to to work with the young talent to get them ready to build, a, even if it was just one of those guys, but we didn't even get one of them. So now... None of them are ready. They've been slow rolling all of them. And this is catastrophic to a certain extent from a booking standpoint. Um, and, and we're caught with our finger in the dam. Yeah. And it, it just, yeah, it just really makes the booking baffling and the whole like going with Sonata, like telling that same story of him winning a new Japan cup and going to face Okada, like this regurgitated story. You just tweak the ending with Sonata actually winning. It's like, why go with Sonata at this point? Like, there was so many other options. Even if they didn't go with a young guy, like, you could have gone with Osprey, even though Osprey's leaving Shingo. Like, mm-hmm. there's so, Zack Sabre Jr. Like, there were so yep. many other options that they could have gone with that would have been more compelling and probably would have ended up being um, a better reign for the rest of the year. Or, yeah, you go with one of these young guys. I mean, Umino was around for New Japan Cup time. Like, they already kind of have, they want him to be, like, the next ace, like, have him win New Japan Cup. Have him face Okada at Secure Genesis. Lose. Later in the year, face off the G1. They get a draw. And then they face off again, like, in some time in the fall, winter. And Umino wins. So, I don't know. Do something. Like, there's so many things that they could have done, even if they wanted to keep Okada out of the title picture. They could have had these kind of singles feuds, him kind of facing off against these young guys uh, post-G1. Well, the one-two punch of losing Okada and Knight or and Osprey at the same time is obviously optically it doesn't look good. It's detrimental from just a fan perspective, from a quality standpoint. Two two generational talents leaving at the exact same time that really sucks. But then you look at the creative and the fact that neither of these guys put over anybody on the way out, and they had like one of their last major singles matches against one another. 
that's again baffling. And I, I know maybe Creative didn't know exactly everything that was how it was going to play out, but you, you have to wonder why weren't we using these guys to get these other guys ready? I know you pointed to Osprey's matches with all that young talent, but he didn't end up putting any of them over. Who he ended up putting over was David Finley, who is right. now the de facto top Gaijin under Gato's booking for the whole company. And that's uh, right now where we're sitting today in 2024, January, it, it, it it's a little bit perplexing. You know, yeah. And especially with Osprey, like they, they, they should have seen the way Tony Khan was rolling out the red carpet for him. This man's having a big match at Wembley. He's all over dynamite. He's a part of Don Cal family. Like that there should have been like screaming red lights. Like, all right, you know, <laughs> Will is not coming back with us next year. Let's, you know, switch the booking around. Let's have him maybe put one of these young guys over. You know, how about we have Umino finally beat him after what the fourth or fifth time that they wrestled um this fall? Um so yeah, there's just I don't understand what's going on um in the office and in the booking. I know a lot of people are like, you know, they need a new booker and you know, who's it gonna be? Like I, I don't know who could be the new booker, but it I do feel like maybe it is time for Gato to to uh leave. I've never felt confident that that was the case, but in this moment, I do feel confident that that's the case. And I would, I would love for Gato to prove me wrong, but this does create an opportunity. There's a, a, a power vacuum and a hole that's being you know created by the, the exodus of these guys. And we can point to many, many times, not even just in the recent history, but throughout the history of New Japan, whether it was Hashimoto or Tiger Mask or Ricky Choshu or, you know, there's a lot of guys throughout the history of the company that have left, you know, like we mentioned, Nakamura, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, you know, this has happened time and time before. Um, but the difference is um, we've always had those guys ready to go to fill those spots. And right now, New Japan has a wealth of talent that are ready to, uh, fill that spot from just a purely raw talent, unadulterated talent standpoint, that that's the case. We have a lot of great guys that can be utilized. Where the crisis is, is basically for me as a fan, I have not the same level of faith I've had in the past that Gato can be the one to carry us through this period and get those guys over. And I think the main reason I feel that way is because historically, now granted, you can, the the one um, exception to what I'm about to say is when they pulled the trigger on his first month back, and that's Okada. But Okada, you know, when Okada first came back, everyone thought that Gato was crazy and that they were, you know, uh, basically jumping him ahead of guys like Tanahashi and Naito and stuff like that. And it was crazy. But at the same time, Okada's Okada, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, people had always known that he was earmarked as a blue chipper even before he went away on excursion, right? We don't have an Okada sitting in the wings. What we have is we have a Suji, we got a a Yumura, we've got a a Umino, and those guys are themselves and they're fantastic, but they're not right now an Okada. And the way that um, Gato has the strength of Gato's booking has always been his long-term storytelling. You know, over years of and periods of time, he'll book things out, 
you know, way, way, way in advance. And he tells these sprawling stories and that's fantastic. But right now with the way that the wrestling landscape is shaping up, we don't need sprawling stories. We need to pull, put the rocket on some guys Mm -hmm. and get and pull the trigger on them and get them over as mega stars in the fans, in the, the eyes of the fans. And I don't know if he's ready to do that. I don't know if he has the creative juices and the creative ideas to propel those people into those positions right now. You know, the opportunity is there. I think the guys are are waiting and wanting to do that. I think even the diehard fans of New Japan who want to see what a post-Okada New Japan looks like are ready for it. But I don't have faith in this creative team right now that they're going to be able to do that. And this is the first time since we've been doing the show where I don't have that faith in, in Gato to get us through. And I feel like we need something new and fresh. Yeah, you know, the, the old saying of this show for a long time was, yeah, trust in Gato. Well, there's, I, I can't trust in Gato here, until, like you said, until he proves us wrong. Um, like you said, the, the locker room is super talented. They have all those young guys, even the you know the the foreigner young guys, the Bull Club War Dog guys, Gabe Kidd, Coglin, Connors, Drilla. You have all those guys. You have Zack Saber Jr. You got Shingo. Uh, you know we, we don't want to really push Riddle, but I mean he's there. He's a great wrestler. They're bringing in Nick Nemeth. Like they they have all these different resources and talents. We, we've seen the CMLL pool um, be used more. Like they have access to. So many talented guys within their own roster and their partners, uh, they have the talent roster there to move forward. But like you mentioned, we, we need guys to get over and be stars because right. right now, now the biggest star you have is Naito. And we know the story of Naito's knees. The, the, those, and his eye. Yeah, his eye. He had that last eye surgery, which if his eye gets worse, that's it. He can't have another one. Um, right. So this, this guy is falling apart. He's your, your biggest star in I, I'm worried what's going to happen by putting all that pressure on Naito because uh, now you've lost a draw in Okada, you've lost a draw in Osprey, and you're, you're going to have to rely on Naito to draw a lot of these houses. He's probably going to have to be in a lot more main events than he probably would have if Okada and Osprey had stayed. There's other commodities, too, that are underutilized that can step into the, the positions if need be. You know, a guy like Taichi, a guy like um, Aaron Hanare, you know, um, Shingo, who has been up, you know, on the back burner for such a long time and is ready to probably put the company on his <laughs> back, just like he did during the pandemic, you know, uh, break glass in case of emergency, pull out Shingo. Um, and that's just to name a few. I'm, I'm sure there's others. ELPs waiting in the wings. Um, and you even have like solid workers who can have great matches like you know, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, those guys are there too. You still got Ishii. Yeah, you still have Ishii. So, I mean, there are, I mean, this this company does not lack for talent. It's right now, it's like, what creative stories are they going to tell? I, I do, if it was me, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I think what the company should probably do is... Oh, and another another thing with the every with how all this is shaken out, putting all those young guys in the A block with each other and not Horrible. pulling the trigger. Yeah, that it, that in hindsight is such a bad idea. And the way that Kiyomiya has been booked into oblivion over the past year and Bro. him never getting his revenge on Okada, that's <laughs> also a huge failing. 
Yeah, that's another guy. Like, you literally have the ace of the, the number two promotion in your pocket. You could do whatever you want with this guy. You could woo this guy to come over. Can you imagine if they had booked Kiyomiya like a star and actually followed up more of the Okada stuff? Have him there was money. get to the semifinals of the G1? Like, what if they were able to get him to slide over now? Like, what if he was actually, they treated him like a star and they could have actually, like, pushed him, all right, let, let's yeah. slide Let's slide you in in this top spot. Um, But uh, I guess I lost my track of thought there, but, uh, or train of thought. But basically, I, I'm not confident in, um, in, in the actual creative at this point in time. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I think what they should do, is they should pick two guys. Whoever those two are, I don't know. I mean, most people are probably just going to say Umino and Suji, and that, that's not a bad way to go about it. I think that you should probably push one of those guys, hypothetically, to win a, a New Japan Cup and another one of them to win the G1 this year. Mm-hmm. And I think the story of this year is going to be another quote unquote transitional year where I, I personally I didn't see um Naito as being a long-term IWGP world heavyweight champion. Maybe he still won't be. Maybe someone else will need to come in and fill that role, whether that's Shingo or Zack Saber or something of that nature. But John, John Moxley. <laughs> or, yeah, maybe John Moxley. I mean possibly depending on who knows. But um I think that we're going to need to see who is going to be the guy that can step in and be the ace of this company. And you know what, Jeremy, I I can't sit here and say that I am the single most knowledgeable individual when it comes to the history of new Japan. I know a lot, but I'm not like the end all be all, but I can't really think of a time where there's been a break in the succession of aces in this company. Like this is happening right now. Because when you go back through history, and I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, yes, Anoki never really put anybody over, but he did the clean tag job to Fujinami in 85, and then he had the hour-long draw with him in 88, and then he never challenged for the title again, and that kind of sent Fujinami off to the races. And it was clear after 88, like 88-88, that Fujinami was the guy. Fujinami did the clean job to Hashimoto, Hashimoto did the clean job to Muto. Muto, oh my God, I don't know why I'm... uh, Kensuke Sasaki, right? Sasaki put over Nagata. Nagata put over Tanahashi. And Tanahashi put over Okada. There might have been some brief liminal spaces where it was a little unclear. But for the most part, we have a pretty clean line of guys putting one another over to establish them as the top star of this company. And with Okada leaving and not having done that on the way out, I can't really recall too many times where it's felt like, oh my God, is who's next? Maybe when, I think there might've been a time when Kensuke Sasaki was out with the company and it was unclear if Nagata was for sure going to be the guy, but that's the only time I can think of. Like we sort of don't have an ace right now and that's, basically uncharted territory for new japan yeah it's 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 really weird and um yeah like it said the backup gear reserve is, is naito he's he's top star now and that's that's a lot of pressure to put on him with his health um and yeah just the way this thing is tracked out is just really weird i mean yeah okada 
He's only 36 years old. I mean, he's a guy I expected to be there like Suzuki style in, in his yeah. 50s, top star. Like, I expected him to become like a president or some kind of Bushy Road figurehead and uh, kind of be going down to super long. I mean, he's still going to go down as like a legend uh, in New Japan history, but I expect that to be this big, long, you know, Noki like thing where he's there for years and years and years and. You know, 20 years from now, we're complaining about him, you know, still wrestling and being on big shows. And uh, well, well, think about all those people that said, LOL, Okada wins. How about it now? Y'all happy? <laughs> uh, the, the LIJ fans are rejoicing, you know, that they finally got what they want. Okada out of the way. So the spotlight's all on Naito. There's a lot of weird cope with that, though, because some of those same fans hate AEW and they they want him to sign with WWE you know, because of whatever, like there's just weird uh, motivations and bad faith acting behind that whole thing. But, uh, you know, with, with Okada leaving, there are other things that this drudges up. I think that not everybody truly understands how significant a change this is to the wrestling landscape when a star of his magnitude jumps to, you know, the Western market like this. Uh, having just passed my 65 I'm not an economist, you know, but I, I've learned a bit about the way that the world's economies work. And, you know, it's it's pretty simple um, illustration. When one currency, like let's say the dollar, hypothetically, strengthens against another foreign um, currency, like let's say the yen, right? <laughs> then the way that that works from an import-export standpoint, and this is just basic economics, that stronger dollar can buy more things and is worth more in the domestic market of Japan. And our exports to those that part of the world declines. And we're importing things from Japan because we can buy more from them. And then it works reverse because their yen has weakened. They're able to export more things to america but they can't afford to buy as many things from america and i know that we're kind of quantifying quantifying um wrestlers like they're a commodity but that's basically what it is you know i'm not saying that money is the only motivator here i don't know what all of okada's motivations are but we do know that these guys all took a pay cut already a significant pay cuts post-pandemic and now the economy over in Japan has dropped drastically. To give you an example, when I first signed up for New Japan World, there were some months, it's 9.99 yen. There were some months where I was paying 10, 11 something dollars because the yen was stronger at certain points than the dollar. Yeah. Right now, there's like periods where I've paid 6 something for my New Japan World subscription because you know, like a dollar, and I, I don't know if this is accurate as of today, but like just recently, like a dollar US was like 68 cents yen. That mean, and that might not sound like a big deal, but we're talking about a 30% drop. So if you are working in New Japan, right, and you're the highest paid wrestler there, but you, t- you already took a pay cut, and now the money you're getting paid is worth 30% less than what it was prior, and then you got you know, Will Ospreay 
jumping over to AEW. <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> Come get this bag, bro. <laughs> Come get this bag, bro. Look what they paid me, bro. <laughs> He's like, motherfucker. <laughs> I'll show you the real Ocado Bucks, bro. <laughs> but, but the other concern is we don't know when the bleeding with the economy in Japan is going to stop. And historically, in Japanese wrestling, they've always kind of operated under this feudal vassal system where you come up in a in a the dojo and then you have a job for life and that's just where you stay and you you aren't expected to jump from company to company or even to go anywhere else most people a lot of wrestlers just stay there for the entirety of their careers with okada leaving this sets a a precedent where we don't know if this is going to happen again or not how do we not know that suji doesn't get hot in a year and a half from now and you know hypothetically nick khan or tony khan comes calling you know and i'm not saying there's a lot to impact there but i'm just giving you an example Mm -hmm. the possibility that this might happen and then thus turning japan or new japan into a feeder system for the bigger u.s branded companies becomes a lot more substantial becomes a lot more realistic possibility and poses quite a huge like existential threat to what Japanese wrestling even is. Right. I mean, at, at this point, nobody is safe. Like if a, a star, the magnitude of Okada is going to leave, like it, it's open field for anybody. Like anybody could leave now. Like if somebody gets hot or it's a top star, like, you know, Shingo was wrestling Mox, you know, maybe Mox is going to talk to Shingo. Hey, Come come check this stuff out. Like anybody that's a, a top tier level worker or star, it's open feel. Especially like you mentioned, it's it's gonna take some time for the the yen to recover. We don't know how long that's gonna take. And so in that time, I mean these these guys they have families. Uh, you know they got wives, they got kids, they, they got gimmicks that come in the mail called bills they gotta pay. <laughs> and, and if the yen's not gonna get it done, then yeah, they're gonna seek money elsewhere in. You know, we're in a spot right now with Western companies where WWE and AEW, they're getting tons of money from all these TV deals. You know, uh, WWE just got their their new SmackDown deal, even though it was less than the Fox deal. still a lot of money in. They're probably going to score a big deal either with Amazon Prime or some other big network for Monday Night Raw. And then uh, Tony Khan's in a contract year. You know, AEW is going to get renewed somewhere, whether it stays with um, WBD or somewhere else. They're going to get big money. And so that they have the resources. These are like billion dollar company billionaires that are running these companies they have the money the resources and so if a wrestler's motivation is money new japan cannot back they can't fight that even if they have the best creative in the world if the booking's the greatest if somebody walks in there it's like i want this amount of money can you match that like they can't right now um you know i did hear that Dave Meltzer said that basically the the way that they've released um, Okada, it's been done very much so in like a good faith natured sort of way. Like they don't want to bury him on the way out. They don't want him burying them on the way out. And I do kind of assume, Jeremy, that like the door is very much open down the road. Hypothetically, we could see Okada come back, you know? And I think that right now what, what he's done is he has pretty much made it public uh, you know, maybe not himself personally, but, you know, Ultimo Dragon and different people that are close to him, they've kind of 
and Dave Meltzer, they've kind of like talked publicly and said like, he's undecided where he's going. So right now, once his contract is up, they're playing it very much like a big unsigned sports star who has these agents and nobody knows where he's going to go until like the 11th hour. It drives the prices up from both companies to provide different offers. And he gets, basically he has all the leverage to decide when and where he might go. But when it, when it's all said and done, you know, who knows four or five years from now, maybe he comes back to new Japan, you know, who knows what the wrestling landscape looks like at that point. Um, so I think he's kind of done a, a smart thing in that respect. And I also want to say, I'm not angry with Okada for leaving. I understand that these guys are humans. They're, you know, they put their bodies and lives on the line every night that they go out there and wrestle. And with their earning years, there's only so many that they have. And right now he's leaving at 36, probably at the top of his prime. But obviously he's got a lot of miles and a lot of bumps on his bump card. Yeah, a I lot mean, of G1s under his card. A lot of yeah. dome matches. Yeah, that man's wrestled all. Yeah, a ton of G1s. You think of you know the Kenny Omega series. Mm-hmm. You, you think of you know that that Dragon Suplex off the top rope. You think of the the Naito series, the Tanahashi series, the Osprey series. Like this Bro. guy has delivered literally some of the best wrestling matches in wrestling history. And, and look at the generation around him, Shibata. Look what happened to him. Look at where Kenny Omega's at right now physically. Look Abushi. at where Abushi's at right now. Look how Tanahashi's looking. Naito. Look at Naito. You know, this is one of those things that we, you know, were talking about in 2017 where we're like, damn, they're putting on some of the greatest matches of all time, but this might start to take its toll eventually if if somebody, if something doesn't break. And I'm not saying that he's in bad health, but he's probably looking at those guys and like, if I, if I want to ever make the, and he even said in Tokyo sports, he kind of gave some insights into what his thought processes were. And he was like, you know, I had kind of grown stagnant in new Japan. Um, and if I'd stayed, I just would have kind of been the same guy. And this was the, and my deal was for five years. If I signed it'd be another five years. And if I ever wanted to make that jump to America to do something different and become something different, now was the time to do it. And that makes all the sense in the world. I'm glad that he, in my opinion, Okada is one of the absolute all-time greatest talents that has ever lived. And I think he should be compensated as such. So I think it's fantastic that he's getting the bag. It's just really shitty for New Japan <laughs> for wrestling. And, and, it, and it is uh, painful for me as a fan to watch him walk out the door to an mm. uncertain future, and I don't know what it means for the company that I love as a fan. Right, and you know it's kind of like that the the Western territory uh, mindset where top guys knew, all right, it's time to leave the territory. Um, getting stale. I've made as much money as I can in this territory. You know, let me let me go to Florida. You know, let let me go to, to Texas. Let me go to a, a different territory, a different promotion. And let me go to Jacksonville. <laughs> let me go to New York. Yeah, let me let Stanford. Me, let me go. Let me go to senior. Let me you know get freshened up. You know, make the big time money. It's like that's what guys did in that in that territory system, and that's what Okada's kind of done here. He's like, yeah, I, I need challenges. I'm stagnant. Um, I don't want to kind of be wrestling on my lore for five years. So yeah, it's time for me. 
to leave the territory. And like you, like, I'm not upset with Okada yet leaving either. Like, yeah, definitely. There's all the reasons in the world for I me. Mean, if I'm Okada, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if both of these cons are going to be writing checks with a lot of zeros, I'm going to be heading over there too. The, the, right. pr- the problem is it's just the, the infrastructure. You know, a lot of times when guys left the territories, there was another guy that was ready that was going to carry that territory. Or like we just talked about with the history of Japan, there was always the next ace ready. And that's the issue here. Had Umino, Suji, Yumura, all those guys been pushed faster and been ready, it would have been a lot less of a blow with Okada leaving now. But the fact yeah. that none of those guys have been pushed and we're still left with stars of kind of yesteryears, guys who have kind of been here since like the keeping the strong style era of 2017 that are still like, those are the older guys that are on top. Like that's a little scary, especially like you just mentioned those names of guys that are kind of falling like flies or are not in their a hundred percent, uh, what they were like, yeah, should, 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 should had, you, had you thought of that before I said it? It, it almost, I was watching you and it was like a realization was hitting you, like, oh, damn, these guys are done, yeah. Like, I mean, and Shibata, I mean, he's wrestling again, but he's not even with AW for uh, New Japan anymore. And yeah, you have all these guys, and you know, who knows when like Ishii's gonna go down. I mean, he seems indestructible, but I mean, at Can't some be forever, at some other point, times undefeated, yeah. Um, and I you know Nagata and Suzuki are still rolling around, but. I mean, a lot of these guys, and even even your Gotos and Yoshihashi, like at, at, those guys are like what in their forties. Like at some point, in this aging like twenty seven teen group of guys, like they, they're going to be wrapping it up pretty soon, or or they're going to just fall apart and just not be what they like. Look at that Abushi Marufuji match. Like these guys are not going to be able to compete to that highest level, and I think. Uh, New Japan, what COVID show was New Japan like they rested too much on the guys they had, which I mean, uh, of course, they had a, a, a plethora of top guys during that 2017 2019 time period. But through, from 2020 to now, we've failed to elevate more people and have people ready for when top stars leave. It might be time to strap up Kojima. Hey, you know, he, he's about to get that MLW title from Alex Kane next month. Uh-oh. Oh, man. But um, no, all jokes aside, though, um, like I was saying earlier, this kind of changes what New Japan might be. It also changes what Japanese wrestling in general looks like, because, you know, I know everyone's playing all nice and we're rah, rah, rah. We're doing joint shows and everything. But like New Japan might be like, yo, we need to sign Kenta Miyahara. We need to get <laughs> we need to get Nomura up in here. Like we need to figure out what's going on with Yuman's eye. Like fuck it. Like let's get uh who who's the dude that's on a on the run right now over in um Oh Nakajima? Yeah, they might need to call Nakajima. They might want to get Kato Kiyomiya. Like or those, might, those brothers were the Saito Saito brothers. The Saito brothers, like yeah. they might want to pull one or two of those guys, you know. Um and this might turn Japanese wrestling into more of a free market kind of capitalistic sort of environment, similar to the way the West is because they're probably going to need to adjust across the board. And it's going to change the way creative is done. It's going to change the way business is done. And new Japan is going to have to change to some degree with the times. Um, I am excited to see what creative has in store and what a post you know, 
Okada New Japan looks like, but it's also uncertain and kind of um, kind of scary. But I don't think a lot. I don't know if fans realize how monumentous a change a signing of this magnitude is because a lot of people are like, well, this has happened before. We'll just rebuild. And it's like, yeah, but you keep rebuilding and the guys keep getting poached and you keep not being able to pay. It's a vicious cycle. It's going to keep going unless something changes. We're going to have to kind of become faster, more fluid and, and, you know, um, be being able to adjust to these kinds of hardships. Yeah, it's like if you're building a house and somebody keeps coming and pulling the bricks that you're building with, there's only so far you're going to get with, with building that house. And uh, so, yeah, you know, New Japan's whole thing about um, escalating the young talent. I'm like, that that needs to be not just a, you know, a press release. That needs to be um, seen in the booking and in the scouting. And I know like Oscar Lube and um, Yuta Nakashima, they're, they're on a scourge in that team pretty quick. Um, so it does seem like there are some signs of them trying to make things quicker, but the other end, like once these guys come back, they're not really uh, following up on people. Well, it was very clear too that there was miscommunication and a disconnect between um, the office and the booking, and I could lay blame on both of those sides. And I think that the appointment of Hiroshi Tanahashi as president probably hopefully adjusts some of that and gets everybody on the same page. Um, you know, there are other things. Oh, one thing I wanted to point out, there was a lot of outrage about um, Kevin Kelly's interview um, <laughs> this past week with uh, um, Jim Valley with Jim Valley. And, you know, I, I'll just say this. I didn't agree with everything that he said. I did find it refreshing to hear him be a hundred percent transparently open about his opinions as a fan but I think that that's the whole thing. I agreed with a lot of his overarching thoughts, maybe not the specifics of his opinions of certain wrestlers, but he's a fan and he's allowed to have his fucking opinions about who he does and doesn't value and you know <laughs> how he thinks the guys should or shouldn't be presented. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget that most of us, you know, in the West wouldn't really have the appreciation for new Japan that we have without Kevin Kelly in the first place. You know, I saw yeah. a lot of people, you know, want, wanting to hate on him. And I, I, trust me, I get it. I didn't agree with everything he said myself, but he's allowed to have his opinion. He's a fucking fan too. Yeah. Uh, one interesting nugget that he said that he mentioned was talking about, you know, mentioning the four block G1. He said it was the, the other guy who made the four block G1. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming he was talking about Obari. So I'm wondering like, all right, how much was the office having a play the, you know, what if Gato is like we're we're like blaming Gato for a lot of stuff, and like what if it was like Obari and all these other Bushi Road guys that are like coming in, messing with the booking? Hey, yeah, do this four block G one, do you know the the biggest New Japan Cup? You know, put fifty guys in the New Japan Cup, Bro, and, double gold dash, yeah, you know, unifying all that shit. Who knows? We don't know. Right. Um, and so yeah, with Tanahashi, you know, hopefully, yeah, there there is not. This this thing of yeah, let's we have to change what we're doing. We have to do a four block G one. There's more communication uh, between um, you know the office and the booking and the management and everything. So you know one thing, another thing I will say, him versus Tanahashi, last match ever, twelve years removed from their first you know meeting post 
you know, return from excursion, I'm probably, I'm not even that emotional of a person. I don't know if I've ever really been moved to tears by wrestling. Actually, there's one savage warrior, the retirement <laughs> match and, and live, listen, listen, savage. It gets me. I don't know why it just always gets me like, but, um, I, I already can tell that I feel emotional about that match. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's... I don't know how I'm going to get through that one, but then, um, we don't know what February holds for this guy. He's got two more dates left and, you know, um, I'm wondering what they should even do. Like part of me is like, should they just cancel the dates? Kind of like, remember they were supposed to do Omega and Nakamura and then they just canceled it and sent him off on his way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> part of me is like, should they just do that? Like just give him a send off after the Tanahashi match and not even do those February dates or would it be better for their business to do those matches? But like, you know, I know some people are like, have him put over two of the young guys on the way out. And I'm like, I don't know. It feels at this point, like a little too, too little too late for that. Like, I don't think it's going to have the benefiting those guys and getting them over because everyone's going to be like, yeah, he, he was on his way out anyways. So we, we know what the deal is. They're not going to get over from that. I'm wondering if they should do the, the, the Ricky Choshu gauntlet. He wrestles a bunch of people, you know, in a um, emotional match on his way out, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they should do for his like for his last couple matches what that even looks like yeah initially i'm one of those people that was like yeah you know night night one eat a death rider from umino <laughs> night two eat a gene blast thank you for your services you know <laughs> best of luck in your future endeavors but it i do see where it, that could seem a lot pretty forced and people might not see that as a real elevation for umino and suji it could potentially hurt them and so yeah it is hard what do you do uh, i mean you could uh, you could do an hour-long draw with one of those guys um to show all right this guy they can hang with okada for an hour uh yeah they could do maybe like a chaos gauntlet you know he, he goes in there you know five minutes each he faces ishii goto yano you know runs through the i know there's a lot of people that are like what's gonna happen with chaos i'm like fuck them they bro chaos <laughs> is the least of my worries right now <laughs> Well, what is going to happen to Shinny Han? That, that's what I'm concerned about. I got an idea. Um, I think that they should have him wrestle Hiromu Takahashi on his way out, and Hiromu beats him clean. Elevate Hiromu to a heavyweight? I think Hiromu is... I'm not saying 100% that they need to elevate him to a heavyweight, but I think that New Japan should start considering the idea of blurring the lines between the differential between juniors and heavies just in general mm-hmm. make that less of a you know an official thing and pull the trigger on Hiromu because when we're looking at guys that can really be true major marketable stars in the company Hiromu is one of those top four guys and this year might really need him to facilitate a heavy a heavyweight role he's wrestled Okada before they wrestled in the best or in the um, New Japan Cup, and he ended up losing via submission to Okada. I don't think he tapped out, if I recall, but I think he maybe got passed out. And maybe that might be an unexpected final match that you do, and you elevate Hiromu to be like one of the tip top guys in this company for the time being. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hiromu had that great yeah G G one the pandemic had that great match with Ishii. Um, so yeah, I think Hiromu has proved that he could hang in there with the heavyweight talents. And yeah, he's a top star. And I know people kind of complain about his size, but I'm like, this guy towers Ishii in there. And yeah, he might weigh a little bit less. Like, but I, I think that he could be passable as a heavyweight and would have no problem mixing it up with the, the guys that are are there. Um, and yeah, he, he's a, he's a star. He has a ton of charisma, um, and plus his his style has changed. You know, he's not doing a ton of crazy flips and dives and wild moves. He has kind of transitioned already to a more quote unquote heavyweight style. He's doing more lariats. He's doing more power moves. So why not? Yeah, just go all the way with him there. Another thing I'm wondering, and I know I've seen a lot of people poo-poo on this idea, but I'm not 100% counting it out just yet. It's not a slam dunk, but I'm not so sure we don't see Okada show up in St. Pete on Saturday as an entrance into the Royal Rumble. Now, granted, this would only happen if there was 100% he's for sure signing with WWE. Um, I know that the the response to this is that, well, he's still under contract with New Japan. And my response to that would be, I think he has enough goodwill with the company that if he told them, I'm going to wrap up my dates with you guys, but I'm signing with them, they'd let him go do it. And they and both companies would benefit from the press and everything like that. It'd be a huge media story. I know WWE wouldn't do it, though, unless they had you know, pen to paper that he is being, that he's going to them. Cause they're not going to take the risk that he turns around after <laughs> making an appearance and signs shows with, uh, up at revolution. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. But a lot of people don't think that that could happen, but I'm like, what are the chances that you hear a coin drop, it, you know, come Saturday night and then he turns around and then goes back and finishes his dates before he goes to WWE. I think that is an actual possibility. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So, I mean, we got a ton of questions here. Is there any other things you want to talk about before we start running through these? I do wonder about the landing spots of what it looks like for him to go to either AEW or WWE, but I'm sure we have questions that might touch on that. Yeah. So let's start running through these. I think we might have answered some of this uh, while we were talking, but uh, we'll we'll go through these. So, uh, first, uh Julia six 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 on Reddit. Uh, what what do you think would be more blessing in disguise? It seems they are. are it seems they are anyway. Anyway, building a new generation. Don't quite understand what that question is. Or oh, maybe the thing is, this a blessing in disguise? Okay. Well, I mean, yes, it does create an opportunity for new stars to be elevated and to be utilized, and it creates a a spot at the top for somebody. So yes. Yeah, there's definitely there's holes open. There's Okada Osprey holes open where yeah, this leaves room for people to be elevated. So yeah, maybe it could be, end up being a blessing in disguise uh, if the booking and creative and a lot of things come together. Um, the French Ted says, "What's next for Chaos?" and predictions on who will be the next ace or aces in the next twelve months. 
I, I really don't know what happens with chaos. If it was me, I would just probably end that group because they've served their purpose. And uh, unless you have somebody that you want to elevate by taking over the reins as being the new leader, I don't see the benefit personally. I think a lot of these older group, bro, at this point, I'm almost ready for them to get rid of Bullet Club and United Empire and figure something out with that. That's for another day, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. But as far as like guys that can step into that ace role, I think that that's going to be determined over the course of this year. I don't think we're going to fi- figure it out in a month necessarily. Yeah. Um, as far as chaos, I agree with you. I mean, I, we, we totally fine if they just scrap. I mean, chaos and Hantai have already kind of been blended together the last several years. So yep. I would just throw a line mark on those guys and roll on unless I did see Shingo tweet about what's going on with chaos. And so we, we've talked about Shingo being a faction leader. So if they do want to totally shake things up and give Shingo its own faction, you could have Shingo take over chaos and make it something completely different. Uh, man, I agree with you. I don't know who's going to be the, the ace. I mean, there's plenty of young guys. Um, it's, it's really just going to depend on, on the booking and who clicks with the audience over the next year. Uh, DJ Aftershock says, how much does looking up social media speculation of where Okada is going make you want to never visit social media ever again? I'm not that active on social media, to be honest with you. And I don't put too much stock into a lot of the fan speculations on that stuff because there's a lot of bad faith acting on both sides. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like best case scenario, I think for us is him going to AEW, you know, the company that has a partnership with New Japan. So at least there is some potential opportunity for him to um, do some New Japan shows and, uh, I know the thing with AEW is, you know, if he were to sign there, he could, Tony Khan said he could still live in Japan. So that might be appealing to him. He doesn't have to move and he can work AEW. Um, so that would be my thing. And yeah, I'm not letting the speculation bother, bother me. People are doing their thing and it's all good. I do want to have that discussion before we're done with all this. Maybe a question will touch on it, but um, I've got thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, Red right, user Kryptonite says, are there truly any juniors left who could move up and become a possible star? Hiromu is great as the face of the junior division, but I couldn't see him ever giving the same feeling and vibe as a Tana Naito Okada. Um, I, I think that Desperado as well as Hiromu are extremely popular. I don't want to say that they're going to be like the tip top guy of the company or anything like that necessarily, but I think the potential is there. I think Fujita is a guy that's got star written all over him as well. Yeah, but I, I don't know, you know, uh, New Japan's kind of going to be weird moving forward. I don't know what, what the company is going to be like in this post-Okada world. Yeah, I think uh, Callum Newman's another guy. Uh, he's currently slated as a junior, but you can already tell he's filling out, and uh, I think he has potential to be uh, somebody big. And I don't even, I ha- I'm not even getting attached to Callum Newman because, you know, he can say what he wants about being motivated to stay here, but what if he gets signed away? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, next set of questions here from Dev Triangle 720. Do you think it's officially time to kill the partnership with AEW and NJPW if Okada goes to AEW? Oh yeah, there's a lot of talk of that, huh? You know, I, I think it's just one of those things where I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um I do think that some of the moves that we've seen from Tony Khan 
over the past year as it relates to WWE kind of feels like Vince McMahon in 1984. <laughs> you know, um, I think that's true. I, but at the same time, it's also a case of circumstance where, you know, would this be happening if Japan's economy and Bushiroad stock wasn't in the position that it was right now? You know, um, I can't, I don't know Tony Khan personally. I can't sit here and tell you that he's not going to destroy New Japan, but I do think that there is an upside to the partnership and there are good faith measures that he has tried to make to maintain this partnership. And we're just at a point where Okada and Osprey, as of now with these circumstances, they, they've outgrown the company. And it was either they're going to go to WWE or they're going to go to AEW. And I mean, you know, what are we going to do? Like fault AEW and Tony Khan for having the money and the resources and paying to, you know, bring those guys in if that's what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I, I know mean, the, I know the optics aren't great, but it's also just a reality of business. Right. Especially for a lot of those guys, if their motivation is money, new Japan can't compete. If you're a guy like Jay White, who was tired of traveling to Japan and was tired of the whole quarantine situation, how that was handled. Yeah, you're going to want to work stateside. Um, so there's a lot of factors that a lot of these guys have jumped. It just it makes sense. And so I don't think it's worth blowing up the partnership over. Um, you know, Volcata's reasoning for leaving is I want more money and I want new competition. I want a new challenge. I want to try weekly US TV. New Japan can't do any of that. So why are we going to be mad at AEW and Tony Khan for that? Yeah. And I mean, I, I get it. You know, I think that there is um, sort of like a, okay. So like a lot of Japanese fans, right. Japanese wrestling fans, I should say, especially in the, in the West, they, they've always had this superiority kind of complex. Like we are the best wrestling that's out there. Right. And there's nothing that can kind of compete with that. But what's, kind of happening right now is because of these circumstances Japanese wrestling is kind of somewhat and this might change I'm not saying it's a death sentence but it's kind of becoming like a feeder system to AEW and WWE and there's a resentment especially when you make your wrestling fandom a part of your personality Mm -hmm. and you self-identify with the, the wrestling company that you watch you know and then it it's a threat to your how you perceive yourself you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so thereby you vilify you know an AEW or WWE and i mean don't get me wrong there's there's definitely things that i don't think either of those companies are perfect and there are certain things i don't like or love about the partnership i've voiced those on the show but at the same time i understand that like i don't think it's i don't think this is a situation where AEW is putting New Japan out of business. Otherwise, they'd be trying to put them out of business. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a situation where, you know, they can't afford Okada anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, also ask, uh, is it time for Japanese wrestling structure to be changed? I, I There's a part of me that loves the way that Japanese wrestling has always worked in honor and tradition and everything like that, but the world at large is changing. A 
economies are shifting, you know, this globalism and everything like that. And yeah, there might need to be adjustments to the way that business is done in the wrestling business in Japan. Yeah, we're kind of mentioning that earlier. Yeah, kind of they, they got to change the times. Um, we also asked, should New Japan do a legit reset from top to bottom? No, we do not need a hard reset from top to bottom. Like that's some Eric Bischoff. Right. And, uh, we don't need a big Vince Russo big shit. bang, you know, event. No. <laughs> come out, you know, everybody vacate their belts. Put, no. Start from the, start over. No, <laughs> no, we're, we're we're good. We don't need to do that. <laughs> Uh, it says, how much time does Gato have to elevate the young guys? I, well, not everything that they've done has been perfect, but not everything they've done has been awful either. They've gotten, they've done a lot. They've done less than what I think they should have done, but they've done more than what people are totally giving them credit for. And I think that they've got a base to build off of. We just need the right, angles and stories and creative direction to get them going mm. you know to be seen as the guys that are at the top of this company right now not in a year not in two years not in a we're gonna chase and then get knocked down and then chase and knock down no we don't need that like yeah the time is now no no tragedies like we need like superhero like we're coming to mm-hmm. save a day we're, we're getting it done right now. Not this, you know, five year tragedy of trying so hard and all these, you know, roadblocks. And then, oh, yeah, I finally beat the. No, none, none we of need that. the boyhood dream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need Hogan, Hogan in the garden. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I need Shota Umino to body slam somebody. <laughs> we need the Rainmaker shock. We need yeah. we need our version of one of those types of things to happen. It's mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also asked, do you think at this point the Japanese wrestling scene is becoming a fear, becoming fear promotions for the West with no way to reach newer heights? I wouldn't say no ways to reach other heights because lots of things can change between now and the rest of time. But as it looks right now, it's feeling very much the way that Ring of Honor and Evolve felt in the past where Gabe had to keep, you know, um reloading yeah reloading as these guys got signed away and you know look at the way that the indies are right now the indies aren't the indies anymore the indies are kind of dead to a certain extent they've made a comeback in some ways but like where where are the big companies looking to get this young fresh talent they're looking to the dojo system they're looking to shinihan and that's those are the types of guys that they want they want people that are top of the line world class big stars ready to go full presentation you know that's what they want mm-hmm. uh see so also asked do you think uh with the yen down new japan should just cut some talent who aren't beneficial to the company that might be a very real possibility that we see some people released that are not as necessary and i'm not like trying to advocate for anybody but like just giving it a name out there, like some of the dads or some of the lower mid card talents that you like, a, I don't know, like a Ujiro. I wouldn't be surprised by things like that happening. Right. Or maybe if not fully released, like they move from like a contract to a more like a tour right. deal. Yeah. Toward a tour deal you know, per date kind of deal or, or they just be freelance. Cause there are a bunch of guys that, are freelance that we don't know about they seem like they're contracted because they're on every show but 
Uh, they yeah. could, could be freelance. Um, so, so you think they use the money they would have paid Okada to bring in some new talent like Nakajima? I feel like they've been <laughs> spending some money on these WWE guys already. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a very real possibility. He's a freelancer. I mean, I don't know what his contract status with All Japan right now is, but I, I've always kind of thought Nakajima might end up in New Japan. Yeah, he's doing the whole Enoki uh, gimmick <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Like, hey, yeah. He, he posted a video on uh, X, you know, walking by, I think, the dojo or one of the New Japan shops. Uh, so, yeah, that, that could be a possibility. Um, his last question, do you think New Japan should learn from stardom and speed up the Young Lion system? I think that they already are. I mean, I can't sit here and say I know 100% because I don't watch stardom. But, I mean, they have been speeding up the Young Lion system. Right. Oscar Loibe and... Yuta Nakashima are, are, are leaving on excursion. They, they haven't really been around that long. So uh, Fujita, he, he got a, a working excursion uh, being a part of TMDK. So there are some signs that they are trying to speed uh, things up. But, yeah, it's, it's, I think they're, they're still going to take some time. They want to make sure those guys have the fundamentals. Uh, I think it's more about what happens when they come back than, you know, them speeding up the excursion part of things. Uh, Cozy Dr. Larry, it says, people keep saying New Japan is dead. They said it in 2002, 2006, 2008, 2012, 2016, 2019, and now in 2024. Will people ever get sick of being wrong, especially when Japanese wrestling as a whole is on an upswing? Japanese wrestling, I'm sorry, I, I definitely respect Dr. Cozy Larry. I don't know him personally, but I think he always asks really uh, good questions, has great points, but Japanese wrestling as a whole is not on an upswing. They might be from a fan perspective, like when it comes to creative and fan interest in certain respects, especially post pandemic, but from a business perspective due to the economy and due to post pandemic and everything like that, they are not on the upswing. They are, they are on a downtrend right now. There's a reason why they're doing this whole United pro wrestling thing and all working together is because they're trying to get business back up as a whole. The the state of, of Japanese wrestling is dire. These companies are really, really struggling monetarily across the board. And yeah, there some, some companies like all Japan and stardom have done some good um, numbers. Dragon gate. Um, obviously Noah was bolstered by Kijimuto, but from what they lost and the way the economy has been they are not on an upswing wrestling is at the end of the day a business it's the same reason why dave Meltzer is ranting and raving online about how wrestling's in the middle of one of the biggest boom periods of all time and it's because there's more money flowing into these two giant you know mono you know these giant mega wrestling companies AEW and wwe it's not just because yeah they're not as popular as you know the 1980s or the attitude era, but that doesn't matter. They're making so much fucking money. Like <laughs> they're on the upswing. Japanese wrestling is not on the upswing right now. They're struggling. Yeah. Uh, Discord. But I do agree. I don't think that New Japan is on death's door right now. Of course, we don't know everything. Right. Uh, Discord Daddy says after seeing Okada leave Japan without putting over any younger talent. Will the Bank of Japan tighten its monetary policy and raise interest <laughs> rates this year? 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if one's related to the other, but yeah, that's that's usually what happens in a recessionary period. So yeah, probably. Uh, his other question is: Is Hiromu moving up to heavyweight a given now? Fills one of the the star gap at the top of the card and makes some and makes for some interesting matchups, including one with Naito. Yeah, I think that they've always wanted to pull the trigger on those two guys and they could do that big anniversary match that was supposed to happen pre-pandemic. I could even see that being like a potential dome match. You know, if you're looking right now, just today, who are the two biggest active stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling? It's Tetsuya Naito and and, um, Hiromu Hiromu Takahashi. And that's probably the biggest match you have to offer provided you're not pushing like a Suji to win a G1 and, or something like that. But putting that aside, they're the two biggest stars in the company right now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of money with yeah, inner LIJ stuff. Because I think, you know, Naito and Shingo drew really well also. I think you could do uh, another big Naito-Shingo uh, program this year. I think there's a, a story, obviously, with Suji going after Naito. And then, yeah, you could do something cool for Roma going after Naito. Uh, next question here comes from the guys over at Okada Shorts, the Okada Shorts podcast, and they say, "What the hell do we do with our branding?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're in a somewhat similar position where Okada, the silhouette of Okada, is the logo of our podcast. Uh, thanks, Zach Porter. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we didn't think that one through, but at the same time, I don't really feel you know, like it's necessary for us to change our branding because to me, Okada still is, you know, this, he still represents the symbol of excellence and greatness through the entire, the entirety of the period of the existence of this podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, I don't see that very different from like, if we had chosen Anoki to be, you know, him with his towel or something to have been the, the silhouette. And at the end of the day, it's just a silhouette. Maybe one day we will change it. Right now, I don't think we should. But for those guys, their name is Okada's Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be. He might wind up wrestling for you know WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll benefit them because their ti- the title of their podcast is Okada. And if he gets really big, they might have his name. I don't know. Right. But- that, that that SEO <laughs> might help out. <laughs> yeah, SEO. Yeah. I don't know, man. They might <laughs> want to reconsider changing it, though. Just or, or just become, yeah, an AW or WWE podcast. Yeah, just follow him. <laughs> uh, next question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. Do you think that Puro is headed for a dark age soon? NJPW just lost their biggest star. AJPW might be embracing Simon and Nokiism. Noah has shown trouble in building their future. Or do you think that the old guard can hold strong while the future are getting ready? It's a tumultuous time. I, I think that there's, I'm optimistic that these companies can do some really cool things. I mean, we've seen all Japan and stardom um, have a lot of like promise lately. So I'm kind of optimistic about that. And I'm optimistic about what new Japan can do through this new transitionary period. Um, so I wouldn't call it a dark age just yet, but, if business goes down, yeah, of course, that that's always a possibility. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Japanese domestic fans react to this news and how they perceive the the state of affairs with the company and everything like that. And this does kind of remind me of like what was needed post 
Enochiaism when Ricky Choshu came in and took the book back and sort of righted the ship and was like that guy that guided them through. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Rambone Slam Pig it says, "Gun to your head, snap second judgment. Where do you think Okada goes, and what is he doing one year from today?" He says, "AW an international or TNT title run." I am still bummed about this. Gun to my head, I, me personally, I think he goes to WWE, mm. and I think he's in a very prominent. One year from today, I think he's on the path to a very prominent position at WrestleMania. For me, I'm going to go with AEW. Uh, the the allure of wanting to you know wear Nick Jackson's new getup is going to be <laughs> too much for this man to resist. It's uh, not really a new. Well, we haven't seen them wrestle in the new uh, gimmick yet. Right. I'm talking about this. even the the suits that they've been wearing. You know, Kata's going. Right. Anybody can get a suit. That's nothing yet. But. He can't just get Nick Jackson's suit. He just can't. He, he's got to get you know the, the worn. He needs the scent of a Nick Jackson on the clothes. Maybe he gets signed to a, a EVP deal with AEW. Yeah, he can join. Yeah, we joked about in the group chat him joining the other new EVP group and them replacing Omega with Okada, replacing Hangman with Osprey, creating this like new <laughs> mega group. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could see him. Yeah, AEW, and then yeah, being in the, the top mix and being. Uh, a world title contender uh, He also asks uh, President Tanahashi is already a big change Do you expect further shakeups Is it time to move on from Gato As the main booker We've kind of given our thoughts on that But I, I think that Could potentially happen um, I don't know if they'll do that But it might be needed Maybe not Hope, I, Maybe he'll surprise us Yeah um, I definitely think there needs to be some shakeups Um that need to happen we'll, we'll see if they actually do happen um and gato yeah being gone could could slash should be one of them i will say this if if we get the same booking patterns that we've become accustomed to from gato over the past decade which were fantastic and fit you know really helped this company in a lot of ways it'll be a huge misstep and it will be that will be detrimental majorly detrimental to this company if they can if things continue that way because that's not what the company needs right now yeah gato will be drafted uh for the 24 uh, 2024 foh draft if things keep going the way they are (laughs) (laughs) um and rambone's last question here says who will benefit from the power vacuum at the top of the card of osprey and okada and to a lesser extent tama tonga leaving who is hurt the most by the lack of that star power to help get programs over well, I think just all of the young talent, whether that's Gabe Kidd, Kiyomiya, um, you know, the Reiwa Musketeers, Uemura, uh, Fujita, all of those guys, Oiwa, <laughs> you know, all of those guys are seriously, seriously um, disserviced by not being able to work on top with, with those guys on the way out. So that's, that's what I would say. But um, what's beautiful about this is that the power vacuum sucks everybody up, you know, like for instance, just to kind of give you a, to give you a, for instance, prior to the exodus of all those guys in 2016 to WWE, Tamatanga was like the pin eater in bullet club, you know, mm-hmm. not the, not the bottom, bottom pin eater, but like in the six man trios, he was kind of like the pin eater guy. 
And then they all left and he sort of got elevated and started winning tag team gold with his brother. And then, you know, slowly worked his way up to being like a upper mid card and then, you know, kind of an upper guy, sometimes main event. And it was through the, the course of the power vacuum that was created that afforded him those opportunities to rise up. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that tomorrow through all this Hanari or great Okan are going to be top guys, but everybody slots up and the right guys at the right time, whether that's a Jeff Cobb or the guys I just named a Tai Chi, they're going to be benefited by being able to move up the card and move into new stories and new opportunities, new title runs and everything like that. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on the guys that are at the top right now, like Tanahashi, like Zack Sabre, like Finley, and like, you know, Naito. Yeah, I think this definitely um, benefits Zack Sabre a lot. Um, he's the guy that, you know, he hasn't won the world title yet. He's had several challenges. You know, he's won New Japan Cups and... I think he's a guy that they really need to uh, heat up and benefit on uh, with him loving Japan, living in Japan, and really wanting to um, hit those goals of winning the G1s and being IWGP champion. I think he's a guy that you definitely uh, count on for main events and push uh, going forward. And I think a lot of the young guys, yeah, a lot of those, uh, the Raywell Musketeers, uh, the LA Dojo guys, I think that um, they are all super talented, and this now, yeah, gives them the platform and the opportunity to kind of rise to the occasion. Uh, next question here from Rich Latta from the show says, should the Yakuza be allowed back to save Japanese wrestling? <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say shout out to Rich and James. They did uh, emergency audio uh, for One Nation Radio the night of the news that dropped about Okada's departure. And I listened to that earlier today. I thought they did a, a fantastic job um, kind of giving their initial thoughts and, and feelings. And one thing that they really brought home in a certain sense that we haven't discussed too much on the show, um, they talked a lot about the legacy of the quality of matches and the storylines and the emotion and the boost that Okada's run at on the top kind of gave to New Japan and what it did for you know him with his runs with Tanahashi and his runs with Naito and his runs with Kenny Omega and you know you name it there's all that stuff I thought they did a fantastic job and if you haven't listened to it I think it's well worth your time to to check out it's a short listen too yeah you can check it out here on the uh, social suplex feed to get all the great shows in one place also go over to our our YouTube channel see the, the video version of uh, that breaking news audio they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Okada was definitely a, a big shot into the arm of the promotion. And it's kind of hard to imagine like what would have happened if the Raymaker shock didn't happen. And they would have slow rolled him the same way that they're doing to Suji, Umino and the rest of these guys. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, this is the closing of a period of time that in my opinion is the greatest in ring period of any wrestling company ever in the history of professional wrestling. And hopefully this next new period is just as good and, and exciting. And it, it is a new, you know, rebuilding phase, but fuck with him leaving. That's it. It's over. Like, that's it. That's, that's the close of that. Series era. finale. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Grunty Dodd says, what do you guys want to talk about? Is it possible that <laughs> JY was playing the, the long game and Okada was the mole in chaos this whole time? 
Leaving now has done more uh, more to hurt the faction and the company than anything Bull Club's ever done. Sorry, I'm taking a break from New Japan. I had to ask one last chaos mall question before going. Thanks for years of podcasting. It's been fun. Don't don't leave Grunty Dodds. <laughs> Shit's uh, about to get real. I think that they're going to do some cool shit. So yeah, don't don't. Hey, well, hey, those downloads. Hey, you can take a break. Yes, leave it subscribed. The, the auto <laughs> auto download, whatever app you use. Just make sure you know the weekly download comes in, brother, and, and enjoy your break. But I kind of think we get paid off people actually listening, so the ads get populated on their feed. I don't know. I, I don't know, but overall, we, we still need the download, so keep keep subscribed. <laughs> uh, Less Commission seven two five two has some questions here. It says, "Do you think New Japan will make a move where they will elevate their young stars in Yumura, Suji, Umino, and Narita into stardom and make twenty twenty four about them to get rid of the concern of lack main Avenger stars from the roster or continue to slowly build them up, which might take one to two years?" I, I think they need to adjust to something of that nature. Yes, and I think that they need to start thinking about putting their best foot forward with this new crop of talent across the board with the entirety of the roster. Um, and yeah, stop focusing so much on like how's to torture shenanigans and getting heat and Sonata. Slow build. Yeah, <laughs> that shit needs to go. Um, so do so you guys think uh, Shinsuke should have left new Japan by losing the IC title to either Tanahashi or Omega instead of a tag match? I'm not saying there wasn't anything wrong with the way Nakamura left, but with Okada's last match being a singles match against number one rival, was the tag match the correct way for Nakamura to leave New Japan? Um, you know, I, I, I've I always wondered about, if you don't recall, he was supposed to wrestle Kenny Omega for the title at New Beginning. And then for whatever reason, they canceled that and they made Tanahashi versus Omega for the for the vacant IC title instead. Um and I don't know what 100% went into, went into that decision, but, um, you know, they gave him the big send-off, and then we kind of just moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think it was fine for what it was. I mean, him versus uh, Kenny would have been great, but at the end of the day, I think it worked out fine. And with Okada, the Tanahashi match is not going to be his last match. You know, he's going to have no. those, those two dates on uh, Sapporo, and so we they could be singles, or we said it could be a gauntlet. It could be some kind of tag. You know, one last hurrah, him and Chaos for somebody, or who knows? Maybe Team Hall of Fame retains the title. Something crazy might happen. So we'll we'll. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, his last question with Okada, Osprey, and Tama leaving New Japan. Is this quite the same situation from 2016, where AJ, the Good Brothers, and Nakamura left? It hurts losing multiple stars when New Japan had quickly recovered by that upcoming summer. I hope they do recover, but I don't think it's the same situation. There are parallels, but it's not, and we already covered that. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lariat says, Gato was said to not really push the Urewa boys as a FU to management who wanted the Young Lions brought up faster because they saw how fast Stardom created talent. Does it seem like time for Gato to step down as a booker and for somebody new to step up? As far as upcoming retired juniors, it seems Kasayashi is retiring. Um, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you who needs to be booking. Um, but yeah, I do think that there needs to be, we've already said it, there needs to be a, a change of methodology and thinking and ideas here. Yeah. Uh, Nevef from Discord says, What juniors would you promote to heavyweight to bolster the main event roster? Also, what outside talent would you like NJPW to bring in more often to bolster the roster? Um, 
we've already kind of talked about that. The one thing I do want to point out, though, with the AEW relationship, one big benefit that uh, New Japan receives from that, in addition to the talent exchanges, in addition to you know the Forbidden Door show, that is probably at this point going to be one of the most important shows New Japan has, if for nothing else, just the money that gets to convert from dollars to yen. <laughs> Um, they wouldn't be able to do what they're doing right now in the States without Tony Khan allowing his talent to come on and work their shows. And um, they seem to be kind of adjusting their strategy for New Japan of America. And it's a huge benefit to New Japan to be able to utilize guys like John Moxley and, and um, Eddie Kingston and other stars from that company to be able to boost ticket sales in America to thereby then benefit the company by having that conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big thing people forget about and how fast these tickets have sold out for Chicago and the interest in, in Moxley and Naito and the fact that, yeah, we can see Moxley in the U S and Japan. Moxley's done a lot of stuff in Japan last year and is probably going to do more this year he's very motivated he's uh really wants 2024 to be a, a really big year for him so uh you, you know one other thing too jeremy and i haven't mentioned this but i think it's an uh one other talking point that we kind of need to consider it tna well i was gonna say slash impact but tna has money they're looking to invest in people they keep losing the bidding wars between um you know AEW and wwe and they're looking for you know a big big names to sign away new japan has a bunch of unsigned killers who are white <laughs> waiting in the wings meaning the the bullet club war dogs i'm not so unsure that to a smaller extent what we're seeing happen with them in AEW and then with wwe doesn't start to happen with elps hikaleos uh who's not white by the way <laughs> but uh you know gabe kids Coglins. I feel like those are the type of guys who are at the stature where if they don't get what they want from New Japan, they could easily get signed away to Impact, and then they would be the talent that's allowed to come over and work cross-promotionally from time to time, similar to like Nick Nemeth and Kushida. But mm. I've heard a lot of people talk about that, but I think it's very, very realistic to be happening in the very near future because yeah. they got money and they want to spend it for whatever reason. Yeah, I know they'd probably drop a lot of that on Nick Nemeth. Um and we'll see if they bring anybody else. But yeah, they've been definitely they, they've been trying to bid, but yeah, they don't have the you know the big bucks to compete with Tony Khan and WWE. Well, if I was them, I mean, I would look at the dojo system and what what New Japan produces, and I'd look at a guy like specifically, I'd look at Gabe Kidd, and I'd be like, they're not even going to pay him what he's worth. I could probably scoop him up for you know for a song, and fucking make him a major star for my company. Yeah, I will say, uh, Kevin Knight, he did work the last set of. Uh, impact tapings bro we don't even know what the fuck's going on with kevin knight you know <laughs> man's teaming with alex shelley and kushida and impact that's what's happening that's another guy that they yeah so uh next set of questions here from lee chang is bay two says real talk okada leaving new japan is devastating for the promotion and for pure resu in general i think young boy said a few weeks ago that an ace leaving his home promotion in its prime has never been done before so this is an unprecedented move on okada's part so let's play a game. Hiroshi Tanahashi puts you guys in charge of New Japan. You lost four of your core six main adventures, Ibushi, Osprey, Jay, and Okada, and the other two are 
either past their prime, Tanahashi, or his, on his last leg, Naito. What do you do now? Who becomes your new immediate core six main eventers? Who do you elevate? Who becomes your new ace? Do you sign more free agents like freelance star Nakajima? Do you try poaching stars like Kaito Kiyomiya from their promotion? And what can you do now to convince people that everything will be okay and stick to stick with the product for the long run? Great question. Very, very interesting. Uh, a little bit too much for me to go in depth about. But yeah, I think that they need to do all that. I think that they need to sign some freelancers that are domestic stars like Nakajima. They need to really consider bringing in Kiyomiya. They need to elevate some of those junior stars. And even if they're not full-time heavyweight, they need to basically present the perception that they are just like in every other company in the world, capable of competing on the top level with the the heavyweights. That means that, you know, um, I think that we should see Hiromu or Desperado in a top spot. And I think that they need to elevate their young talents as fast as they possibly can while still telling a good story, you know, and that means they need to pull the trigger on Suji and, and Yumura, or I'm sorry, Suji and uh, Umino and everyone else. Umura too. I think from established talent, the two guys that I definitely hit the button on are Shingo Shingo and and Zack Sabre. Yep. We saw their rivalry in 2021 those are two guys I'm, I'm elevating big time. They're going to be a part of that core six. They're going to be main eventing big shows um, and doing something cool with those guys. But yeah, I agree with everything else that you said. Um, we also asked, where do you think Okada goes now? My gut telling that he's WWE bound. Meltzer says he wants to wrestle at WrestleMania. But could it be that Tony Conlon and Okada go over Danielson and Osprey was some sort of Machiavellian move from the AW owner because he already knows he has Okada in the bag? I think probably now is maybe time for me to sort of say what I think about what's going to happen with Okada moving forward. Mm -hmm. We've always said on this show that Kazushka Okada is basically Hulk Hogan in terms of the way he's presented from an imagery standpoint for this company. The way Hulk Hogan was pretty much just the main focal point and the main eventer and the the world champion, even when he wasn't the world champion, he was the ace of WWE from 1984 up to 1994. That's basically what Okada has been in this company. The idea that he's even holding the six man titles has been kind of crazy. He's (laughs) never held any title other than the world title. And um, now he's going to be signing with an outside Western company. And no matter how you crack it up, one way or the other, he's not going to be presented as the tip top ace of the company, whether it's AEW or WWE. And that is going to be new uncharted territory and kind of bewildering to think about. My opinion is, um, and, and congratulations to him on whichever one he signs with. I think that there are pros and cons to both. And Full disclosure, I am much more a fan of AEW. This is not a bad faith like, oh, I'm really an AEW guy. (laughs) No, I I like AEW. I don't fucking watch WWE except for like pay-per-views. I'm much more of an AEW fan. But I think there's pros and cons to both. I think he goes to WWE. I can see, I I think it's realistic he goes to either one. But I think that it boils down to this for me. He's going to get fucked. Whether he goes to AEW or WWE, he's going to get fucked, period. And the reason why is because neither company knows what to do with a major Japanese talent. Look at their track record. Look at their histories. They don't know what to do with an Okada. 
Okada going to take the money from WWE or AEW is Bret Hart leaving WWF to jump to WCW in 1997. Mm. They didn't know what to do with him. And neither company, from a creative standpoint, is going to get Okada. If he goes to AEW, he will have better matches. And in the long run, he might have stronger creative. But he will never be the top star outside of maybe them like being putting the title on him. Even that. They don't know how to use Japanese talent that can't speak English, can't promo. And that is a promo company. And they don't know how to use Spanish-speaking talent at the top level. And Okada is a top-level guy. Um, I think that if he goes to WWE because of how much pageantry is involved with that company and how they can get the promotional, um, and make someone seem larger than life that he will get fucked there, but they can give him the Cody Rhodes presentation for a year, at least the same way that they were able to kind of make Walter seem larger than life and put him on a dominant run same way they made Cody seem like a big, big, big deal in the same way that they've done a good job with Nakamura recently. I think that with the money that they would have to pay him to bring him in and the fact that he already has this gimmick, the rainmaker, and he's got the look and, and everything like that, he kind of fits as a WWE guy to where they can make him a big deal, a big star out the gate if they want to, mm-hmm. and then just present him that way. And eventually you know, pull the rug from underneath him, just like they did Cody, just like they did Nakamura, <laughs> just like they've done to all those guys. But because he's never going to be Roman, he's not going to be the ace of the company, but they can at least make some money with him out the gate. In AEW, they will not know what to do with him, and they're going to have him in, you know, they're going to do similar things to like what they've done with Jay White or, you know, the you look at the the presentation, the way that they've used like Brian Danielson and and you know, stuff like that. Like they're not going to fully get Okada. They're not going to know how to translate him to their audience. And I think they will try, but they have clearly shown that they don't know how to make guys feel special in that big way, the same way WWE does. Mm-hmm. The only two guys that they've ever in their history made feel really, really big and really special on that level, like the monster promotional smack you in the face, this guy's special is Sting and CM Punk. No one else in the company feels has ever felt like those two guys, even, even Kenny Omega at the top when he was, you know, getting his big announcements and the sweepers and the girls, even that didn't feel like punk and sting. And I don't think that they're going now. The one thing I will say, both companies want to win the bidding war because they don't want to have the perception of losing. And for the amount of money they're going to have to pay him to get him, they're going to have to use him in a major way. And that bodes well. But I don't think either company is going to get him. And in the long run, you know, I don't think we're going to see a top of the card main event or, you know, the tip, tip, top guy, Okada, that we're used to seeing. And it's going to be a little bit heartbreaking for those fans that love Okada and know what he's capable of. I think he'll have better presentation in the short term for WWE. And I think he will probably be able to main event a WWE, like a, a WrestleMania. And that's probably what they're going to pitch him with. They're going to say, look at what we did for Cody. We'll give you a Nakamura version of Cody. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll win a Royal Rumble. You'll main event. He might even get one of those two world titles, maybe the fake one. He might not be (laughs) Roman, but he might get the fake world title. We'll have you You go over Seth. (laughs) You'll go over Seth Rollins. 
and all that. But in AEW, they're going to be like, you don't have to live here. They're going to give him other perks and he's going to be able to do whatever he wants, but they're not going to be able to, they're not going to know what to do with him. And then he's just kind of going to fade a little bit and be less of what he's been in New Japan. He's not ever going to be the ace of AEW. That's not happening. Yeah. And I think AEW, they have shown that they've, they, I mean, they, they have Kanosuke Takeshita. They've really failed to capitalize on like, he was having a, a hot run as a bay face. Like people want him to win so bad, and then they did the heel turn. And even with the heel turn, like sure he's beaten Kenny twice, but they haven't really followed up with that. He's just kind of in the Don Cal's family, just kind of floating around. You know, some weeks you're like, where is he? And then he they, they use him. He has great magic like he did with Darby. It's like, all right, this guy should be wrestling every week, and he's not. And so, yeah, I feel like AW has had a chance to kind of prove now that historically, yes, they have used Japanese talent. I would say overall better. Better than WWE, like they give guys great matches. Uh, better. Well, in some ways, but in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. And it speaks to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They have better matches. They get opportunities to be on TV and having great matches and pay per views having great matches, but they don't get presented like stars. At least in WWE, you got a Io Sky, you got a Asuka, you got a Nakamura to point to as. But then again, those are all gimmicked up people that got to have paint on their face. They got to shoot bit missed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's the WWE thing. But, you know, and then there's a lot of other failures. You can put a ton of failures, you know, like where they really didn't get them like it, whether it's Tozawa or Kenta or, you know, Kensei Suzuki. Yeah. Kensuke Suzuki. There's a there's a whole treasure trove of guys they didn't get that they failed with that. Yokozuna. But, Yokozuna is the <laughs> no. Actually, I thought about this today. Yokozuna was portrayed as Japanese. Obviously, it was you know Rodney Inouye, and he could speak you know he, he was he, Samoan. He's a Samoan, and he could speak English. But the way they presented him was as a Japanese, and that's probably the the most positive they've ever presented a quote unquote <laughs> Japanese talent in the history of their company because he was the dominant world champion and a monster. And they gave him a mouthpiece, and he killed everybody. But I don't think they're going to do that with with uh, Okada. But because he has the Rainmaker aura, because he's got he's six foot two and he's got superstar looks and he's handsome and he's you know all of that and he can wrestle so and he could definitely wrestle the WWE house style. It's going to be much easier. Mm-hmm. He's going to have the flowing you know the the, the bro. They're going to have Okada bucks flying in the you know and all that shit. They're going to eat him up and they're going to like present him very well at least for a short period of time they'll just run out of ideas and they won't know what to do after the initial like everything wears off but in AEW, he's gonna have great matches but they won't be able to present him on that level they won't know what to do because he won't be able to promo and i mean you look at abushi obviously abushi isn't abushi anymore but like abushi they were never gonna get they they they've failed with Takeshita, they failed with akarashita they've tried and they just don't have the creative to understand how to utilize Japanese talent that way. And the the most successful Japanese talent they've ever had is Riho, and I don't even think they know why Riho connects with the fans. <laughs> yeah. They're like, for some reason, it just works. Let's just throw put her out there. <laughs> throw her out there. We get ratings. They love her. We don't know why, but she is over. <laughs> and then you look at like the the Mexicans, you know, that are Spanish speaking and. They're pretty much, you know, like the Lucha Bros are pretty much over just based on the gimmick and how dynamic they are. But they have a ceiling because they can't 
really put them in programs because they don't know what the fuck to do with them. Right. They're not they're not gonna know what to do with Okada, bro. I'm telling you right now. The fact that like Pentagon and Phoenix aren't like superstar main eventers for them is kind of weird. It's not because that's most companies don't know what to do with foreigners who can't speak the language. That's just how it is. You know, and Westerners don't have that thing that Japanese fans have where we just appreciate, you know, in in Japan, you know, a Westerner can get over by just like saying a couple key phrases that 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 they know and then working hard and they just clap and they they appreciate it. But like in America, it doesn't work that way. Um, I don't think they're going to get Okada. I think I think that I'm not saying the runs are going to be failures. He's too good for that, but he's not going to be Okada anymore. Yeah. And that's the sad part. He's just not going to be Okada that we have come to know. But yeah, especially if, if he goes to WWE, he might not. He really might not be Okada. I think he'll be I think he'll be presented as a bigger star than he ever has in Japan from an optic standpoint, mm-hmm. even if he's not slotted like that. But then they'll turn him into a good hand at best case scenario. In AEW, they'll try, but I don't think they've got the the money and and the creative and and that whole juggernaut to put him in that echelon. And he'll end up like you know he'll be on pay per views. He'll be working Hangman. He'll be working Danielson stuff swerve. like that. Yeah, Swerve, and it'll be really awesome. And people will like him, but he just won't be like the top guy. Mm-hmm. And it will be like Bret Hart in WCW, where you're like he's kind of spinning his wheels. What the fuck's he doing? That's what's going to happen. This is not hater shit. This is based off the track record of both these companies. And I and I and I'm very excited about a lot of the key changes that are going on in AW. They they're getting it right now. And it's it's exciting. But I don't think they get I don't think they're gonna get Okada, man. Well, if he's gonna be Bret Hart, uh just keep him away from Bill Goldberg, please. <laughs> Uh, next question. Um, they'll never admit it. Do you think there could be some resentment for Okada from the new president of New Japan? Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tanahashi did spend the final years of his prime to elevate Okada to the ace role, but now Okada is leaving New Japan without doing the same favor for any of the new guys, and now the New Japan is in a worse spot because of it. If Okada was leaving no matter what, couldn't Okada just stay for another year and elevate somebody to that ace role before leaving next year? Or was it a classic case of that doesn't work for me, brother, from Okada's end? That's just pure speculation. I'm I'm not saying it's impossible, but I have no reason to think that that's exactly what it is when i look at the landscape his contracts up he'd have to resign i don't think he wants to resign i think he wants to he's 30 you know he's 36 yeah i think we've kind of explained it like what he's doing right now is going to elevate his he's going to get the bag like he's putting two of the biggest companies against each other to outbid each other and that that doesn't happen if he resigns or even if he if he freelances too long his value could potentially go down then they still either see him as the New Japan guy or just like this freelance guy. And him leaving right now at his peak, like this is what's going to help the bidding war. The one benefit, if he does sign with AEW, and I'm not saying, now one thing I will say, WWE might throw in a little sweetener and say, because it is, it's not the same company as before. They might, they might literally be like, we'll let you work a dome show on January 4th once a year. Yeah, they let uh, Carl Anderson work the dome. They let Carl Anderson do it. They let uh, they let Nakamura go work that match with Kijimuto, that big deal. 
they've done some kind of weird stuff like that. And he's, they might just be like, you know what? It's January 4th. We're not doing pay-per-view on that night. Go work the Tokyo Dome. How's that not going to benefit them to have their, you know, big Japanese star go work for that? The other thing too, we can't discount the idea that them wanting to sign him couldn't in some way benefit the idea of NXT Japan. NXT Japan. You know, that's that's a classic WWE playbook. You know, you sign the top <laughs> star from a, from a territory, and then you go back to that territory and you run it with him on top. That's right. what they did with Junkyard Dog, and that's what they did with all these guys. Um, so that's also possible, Whoa. but I wouldn't be surprised if they let him work a dome show, but conversely, if he goes to AEW, hypothetically, he might be able to come back and work with some of these young talents, forbidden door, that stuff is still on the table and it's much more so on the table with AEW than it is WWE. Yeah, bro. Can you imagine that? They're like. Yeah, we'll sign you. Oh, yeah, you can stay in Japan. Yeah, you can still live in Japan. Yeah, we, we got a nice little project we need you to, you know, kickstart for us. <laughs> oh, I could see WWE doing something like that for sure. Yeah, that would but suck. The, the one bad thing, though, is if he does go to AEW, the chances of him putting over, like, a like let's just say, Umino, they're very low. Because AEW guys generally, the big stars generally don't lose to guys that are not perceived as big as stars in New Japan. Yeah. Um, then it says, uh, let's see, where's the next question here? Uh, Tanahashi was able to steer New Japan through the dark ages and into the light when the company was at its lowest. If he's able to do it again at this time as president of New Japan and make the company as strong or stronger than it was before, will that make him the undisputed GOAT in New Japan's history? Very well, possibly. I mean, uh, Anoki casts a long shadow, but possibly. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's possible. Um, his last question, I think we're all forgetting the most important question of all, one that will not just change the course of New Japan, but, well, the entire world. No cap. That question is, who becomes a new logo <laughs> for the KISS podcast? Now, I know there's a lot to choose from, like Tanahashi's ace pose, Naito's eye taunt, Nagata salute, and that man suggests the evil staring off into the distance after hitting a home run taunt. Time to embrace the darkness, brother. Evil and how the torture will save New Japan. Next question. <laughs> uh, last set of questions here from Dom Homie One Hundred One. With the departure of Okada, do you, did you guys uh, think we were ever would, would ever be here? No. Yeah, very surprising. Uh, what does an Okada less New Japan look like? A little bit sadder, a little bit dimmer. Uh, less less uh, rain being made. Less perfect drop kicks, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think went wrong with this whole situation with Okada New Japan? And will we see any other departures from the company? Is Gato on the clock? I'm, I think we've covered that, but that's a great question. Yeah. Um, how will the departure of Okada affect NJPW in the short, short term and long term? Uh, it's going to put pressure on them to put their best foot forward in the short term to prove that the company is on good footing, even without even with his absence, I think uh, I think this New Japan Cup is going to become the most important New Japan Cup in the history of the company. Um, long term, they got to get a new ace. Yeah, I think that I think in the G one too. I think it's going to be very important this year as well. A, a G one without Okada is crazy. And Osprey. Yeah, but especially Okada. Okada's yeah. like you know won it so many times. He's always in the finals. Like it's crazy. Well, I guess that that will alleviate one complaint of people being tired of him. Winning, winning or being the finals. <laughs> um, with the departure of Okada, will would it benefit? 
would it be beneficial for Naito to have a long title reign or a short title reign? Um, I, at first I was going to say short that he needed to have a short reign because I, I don't see the benefit in having Naito at top, but with, with this power vacuum that's been created, you might need to have Naito at top and you know, this works out for the LIJ stands that wanted, always wanted him to have that. But you know what? At the same time, they're probably going to look at this and be like, you know, another asterisk sitting next to Naito's <laughs> title run. But yeah, I think that we might need him to have a bit of a longer run. I'm not saying it needs to go all year, but... Maybe to Dominion? Maybe. Possibly, yeah. It depends. I mean, I at the same time, I don't. We've talked about his health. Maybe a guy like a Shingo, or a Saber, Zach, yeah, or even a Hiromu needs to win the title soon, so we have a healthy leader. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, speaking, you know, people were asking about potential people to bring in two names that could potentially be hitting free agency soon: uh, Drew McIntyre and, and Finn Balor. And Finn Balor. I, I would, I would take those two guys. Yeah, they're both. Those are both very incredible prospects. And you know what? I'm I'm not saying that they would sign with New Japan. We've talked about their financial issues, but both of those guys might be looking at AEW and looking at like what's about to happen with how many stars are coming in and be like, it's pretty fucking crowded over there. They might be. They might think of the Nick Nemeth way. It's like go go back to Japan, have a run, go to TNA, do some indies. You know, maybe make some AEW appearances, don't sign anything, then go back to WWE, you know, as a made man again. I mean, uh, Drew McIntyre's already done that before, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, it's one, possible. Yeah, the one thing he hasn't done is Japan. So I think that that could be alluring to him. And then, yeah, with um, Finn Balor, yeah, seeing kind of what AEW is like and there might not be room for him on, the, especially he's older too. Uh, I think ever won the IWGP. Yeah, I think New Japan will take him back in a second. And then all there's all kind of the Bull Club lore stuff you could do there as well. Oh my God, the Bull Club lore people would have a fucking <laughs> field day. <laughs> um, uh, with the departure of Okada, uh, will the New Japan Cup be a launching point to the next era, or will they wait until the G1 to launch the next era? Everything that happens post Okada leaving is aiming right now. Everything we're doing is aiming to the next era. But, yeah, those are two very important tournaments this year. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Uh, with the departure of Kata, how does Brian Danielson play into things with NJPW? Um, I don't know. But I, I, I hope he – we'll see what happens after the Zach match. I don't know if he'll be coming back regularly after the Zach match. I hope he does. Yeah, same. Um, and his last question, any thoughts on what the final Okada-NJPW match will be? Could it be a gauntlet match involving Yuya and the three Musketeers? That would be cool. That might be a cool way to go. Yeah. Um, I could see them doing like, I'll just do a prediction. I, maybe like a gauntlet like that. And then maybe the night before, like a chaos gauntlet, a chaos send off, like a all chaos multi-man tag match or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably the, the best options. You know, Jeremy, we covered a lot here. We're going to jump into the rest of the show. But um, do you have any um, last closing final thoughts as we, you know, move on from this topic? It's Man. Been, uh... <laughs> um, you know, uh, overall, 
happy for Okada. Um, I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be able to, you know, continue his career the way he wants to, make the money he deserves, and be able to support his wife and his uh, new child. And, um, you know, overall, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for things in New Japan. Um, we, they, they have the talent, um, and now it's, it's up to them to, to get that talent over. Um, and you know Okada, he he's gonna leave a very lasting legacy, and uh, because of Okada, um, is a reason why podcasts like this exist because of the the Rainmaker Shock and that rivalry of Tanahashi that really launched New Japan back into the the forefront of Western fans. Um, you know, Wrestle Kingdom nine and all that being uh, promoted through pay per view, and just how that kicked off and new japan world and um double tokyo domes new japan and madison square garden uh, like there's so many things that happen because of the rainmaker shock and because kazuchika okada was the top guy and also the top guy throughout the whole you know history of this podcast uh so yeah it's going to be it, it's very weird it's going to be a very weird season uh, for uh, of a life, so to speak, for New Japan. Uh, but I, I do think there is potential. Uh, for uh, sunnier days, you know, Tanahashi said, you know, when when the rain stops, the the, the rainbow will come, something like that. So, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah, you know, the rainbow is coming, and down from the rainbow slides superstars in, in Umino, Suji, Narita, Gabe Kid, and the rest of their the young guys. I'm not a writer, so I can't do the whole eulogy thing that uh, Rich Latta does on One Nation Radio, but I just feel a lot of uh, gratitude um, for the time that we had with Okada here in this company because the matches that he had, the matches he had, man, like, and I'm not even like the biggest Okada guy. Like, he's not my ideal favorite wrestler necessarily, although I recognize how I, I am a fan. But like, bro, when I think back to like the Nakamura matches and the Ibushi matches and him and Kenny and, you know, um, him and Tanahashi, which in my opinion is like the, the the defining series of the era and him and Naito and the that never ending title run um, where he set the record for the IWGP title and the matches with him and Jay White being able to be at Madison Square Garden to see him win the IWGP title and um, just all the stories, you know, people say this company doesn't have stories, but like my favorite wrestling stories come from that era of professional wrestling um, come from Kazushiko Okada being the main character, main character energy, the focal point of this entire era of Japanese professional wrestling. And like the reality is uh, I might've fallen out of watching wrestling if it wasn't for Kazushiko Okada. We wouldn't be doing this show if it wasn't for Kazushiko Okada. Like, this is a guy that carried the company on its back, on his back, um, for, you know, since 2012, you know, 12 mm -hmm. years now. And um, it is sad. I'm a little bit kind of still mourning it. I don't know what that first show <laughs> post-February is going to look like without him. Uh, it's going to be sad. And like, I'm kind of a, a little, I don't know if you can hear, I'm a little bit emotional. 
and it's funny because it's just pro wrestling. Like it's all it's fake fighting. It's scripted, but like, and I don't know, but like I am, it's the end of an era, and um, you know, these guys are incredible, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think we're like about two and a half hours in. I think we should kind of like speed run through the the remainder of this uh, stuff here. We can speed run it because uh, new beginning in Nagoya on January 20th in Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium has to be one of the fucking worst <laughs> major shows in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I have quick thoughts on almost everything, but I don't want to review any of it. Yeah, it's like, how, how do we follow up Russell Kingdom and Battle in the Valley? This show. <laughs> Bro, this, this wasn't even... They shouldn't have called this a, a, an official... This was a road show. to... This was worse than most road twos. This fucking sucked. <laughs> um, first match, Murashima versus Kato. They wrestled to a 10-minute draw. I will say this. We're going to have to give them some time because this is, the, this is the greenest I've ever seen two young lions in a very, very fucking long time. I mean, no no hate, but like, fuck. This, <laughs> it was rough. Uh, I liked uh, Murash- uh, Murashima. He was doing uh, Kimura a lot. His Kimura looked pretty good in the way he was getting into it. The best thing about this show was I liked that they have the Lion Mark logo in the middle of the ring, which they don't normally do. That's mm. the best thing I have to say about this show. <laughs> um, but House of Torture, Renarita and Yujiro Takahashi, they defeated Umino and Hanma, continuing the Narita Umino storyline. Um, third match of the night, Bull Club War Dogs, Coglin, Connors, Finley, Maloney, and Gabe Kidd. They defeated the United Empire team of Calum Newman, Francesco Akira, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, and TJP. Probably the best match of the night. Continues yeah. the feud between those two guys. Yeah. Two teams. And the whole another interesting piece here um, in the backstage promos that keep harping, like Akira does not want any part of the five on five cage. He's only concerned about defending the junior tag titles. Um, this coming up week against the War Dogs, but he is so against like this whole faction warfare and the five on five cage and all the other UE guys are kind of like, what is what's your deal? So I'm wondering, like, is Akira gonna turn or is it gonna be one of those situations where he is the, the guy that kind of makes the save? Like they're down four to five and he comes back in and makes a save kind of thing. They they do have him slotted all throughout the Fantastica Mania tour as a Rudo wrestling with the Rudos after that uh steel cage match so it is wondering if that is like foretelling of what might happen i don't know um fourth match of the night house of torture show and kanemaru they defeated desperado and master wato kanemaru will be you know challenging for the junior title against uh desperado tomorrow tmdk kosei fujita mikey nichols shane hayson zack saber jr they defeated the chaos team of okada and ishii along with tanahashi and togi makabe this was the send-off match for um, Okada and what I believe is his home perfectural. And uh, post-match, he did the big bow to the crowd and, uh, you know, given the win to Team DK to kind of heat them up uh, in preparation for their title challenge for the six-mans. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixth match of the night, Doki, Sonata, Taichi, Takamichinoku, and Yuya Uemura defeated the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, and Yotasuji, nine minutes and one second. Um, we're on the road to Sonata, um, Naito two. <laughs> and then, um, the seventh match of the night, we had the, uh, KOPW title, 10 minute Ishimori ring fit match between great Okan and, uh, Taiji Ishimori. And, uh, you know, th- there were some funny moments, but 
the gimmick of the match was essentially they would wrestle for three minutes at the end of the three minutes, they would do a 30 second interval of high intensity interval training, and then the match would continue. And the rules had stated that whoever had the most pinfalls submissions or was holding the title at the end of the um, 10 minute time limit would be declared the champion. And so they go through all this shit. It's all funny Gaga gimmicks and, you know, basically, um, great Ocon not being able to keep up athletically and physically through the hit challenges and looking like he was almost going to throw up and pass out by the end. <laughs> but at the very end, as time is expiring, nobody has pinned anybody. Nobody has submitted anybody. Great Ocon falls on the ground and somehow the title had been incorporated into the match as like a foreign object. And he grabs it, falls on it and grabs it. And the referee declares him the winner because he's, literally fucking holding the title we thought that when they said the holder of the title we thought they meant like a pinfall like yeah you you obtain the title by winning it via pinfall and you're the last person holding the title like figuratively but they meant literally bro i was blown because like i i was spoiled going into this show i I watched i was too i watched the show this afternoon and like, oh, I know Ocon's gonna win, so you know I'm watching the match. I, I did think like some of the stuff Ocon was doing was funny. Like his, it was funny. <laughs> his facial expressions were pretty funny, like getting blown up and stuff. And I'm like, all right, he's he's gonna claw slam this dude at some like there's like ten seconds left. He didn't pin him. I was like, are they gonna restart the match? Like what's happening? And then he falls and grabs a belt and he wins. I was like, yeah, what? They, I I didn't understand it either. And then I was like, oh, are they fucking for real right now? <laughs> yeah. That was. That was bad, real yeah, bad. Yeah, that was Terrible. like some Vince Russo. Yeah. Semi main event the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team titles were on the line as GOD, El Fantasma, and Hikaleo successfully defended against the Bull Club team of Chase Owens and Kenta 21 minutes and 33 seconds. I, Bro. Thought, this match, I thought this match sucked. And why now do Kenta and, and Chase still get a title shot later on in the tour? Like they just lost the champions here. And so. There should, there should not be they should not challenge for heavyweight tag titles at this point now yeah i don't think they should be worthy challengers because they've already lost and then after 21 minutes and 33 seconds of this match i don't need to see it again the best thing about this match i like kenta's haircut <laughs> yeah kenta's new haircut it looked good other than that this match this was not a good way to get things off on the right foot when it comes to you know the tag title scene in new japan i don't in 2024 i don't i don't fucking get it and then um the main event was evil versus tamatanga 18 minutes and one second um evil defeated tamatanga so they start the match off almost immediately house torture shenanigans then a bunch of you know hontai jumps in the ring uh, red shoes throws the match out looks like uh tamatanga retains via dq or no contest and then they they cut a promo and basically say we need to do a continue the match but let's you got your boys i got my boys let's do a lumberjack match and they proceeded to have i mean i would say it was the worst but there have been a lot of really fucking bad lumberjack matches in new japan history most of them have been pretty fucking terrible this one was also pretty terrible and it's such a dichotomy from the highs of tamatonga's <laughs> match at the tokyo dome with uh shingo contrasted with this match with evil um evil wins wins he's the new champion and uh tamatonga cuts a heartfelt promo at the end but god we did not need 18 minutes of this match like this was 
This is a bad show. It's a bad show. Yeah, we had uh, two questions here from Don Hui on one. He said, let's talk about the hottest free agent in the wrestling world. What company do you think Tamatonga will land in? I'm not I'm not sure with the fact that the these other two guys have just departed. I don't <laughs> kind of steals a lot of the steam out of the Tamatonga departure. Bro, I, I could see him landing in TNA. Bro, I was gonna say the same thing. I could see him landing in TNA too. <laughs> Uh, we also asked, with Tamatonga wrestling his final match in the company, what will be his lasting legacy in New Japan? What are your guys' favorite Tamatonga match or moments in New Japan? Um, I really enjoyed him turning uh, baby face and getting accepted into Hontai. I, th- I think the match with uh, Tamatonga is his best match. But with uh, Shingo, you mean? I'm sorry, with Shingo. But I, I think that him beating Okada was a great moment in the G1 the first time. Mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, uh, his first um, World Tag League final against uh, GBH with his brother um, was up there as like the first time I was like, oh, shit, he's really great. And, you know, him helping form the Bullet Club and everything. And I mean, Tamatonga is like he was an integral guy to New Japan for all these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the initial turn on the elite was a really cool moment. The whole like firing squad thing and that turn and. I think that some of like the promos he was like cutting on Kenny was cool at the time, uh, but yeah, the Okada win was big. I think yeah, the whole Bayface run um, was really great. Um, I mean, him and uh, Tangaloa, you know, they were you know one of the, the founding blocks of the tag division for you know the last you know several years in New Japan, and uh, yeah, you know he's a top foreigner that came out of their dojo system um, that really did a lot for them and. Hey, you know, he he bought me and Rich a beer in, in New York uh, during <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. So, super cool dude. Well, we've got two nights of Cork and Hall Road to Action um, tomorrow, the 23rd, and then the 24th. I'm not going to run through the entire card, but the the important match is at the top of the card. So, we've got a singles match between Show and Master Watto. And then the main event of tomorrow's night's show is El Desperado versus Kenamaru um, for the IWGP junior title. Um, any quick thoughts about those two matches? Uh, I, I think Watto needs to win to kind of propel him, and then um, I'm sure Despy's going to retain, and then I could see Watto challenging Desperado. Uh, I agree there, yeah. And then on the 24th, um, the big matches uh, for that, we've got the never open weight six man tag team titles on the line as Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi team up. For what's presumably the last time to defend against the TMDK team of Kosei Fujita, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste. And then your main event is a special singles match between Ren Narita and Shota Umino, the uh, blood feud that's been going on between these guys since World Tag League. Yeah, the, the narrow six man match is going to be very interesting because I think we all think it's a dead giveaway that TMDK is just going to win to get the belt off of Team Hall of Fame. But with Okada working two more dates, uh, you could do the, the swerve finish here, have uh, Team Hall of Fame retain, and then they drop it on one of those two Sapporo shows. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I think uh, uh, Umino needs to win, um, and that needs to catapult him into challenging for a title. Definitely. Uh, we have the New Japan slash CMLL um, lineups for Fantastic Mania that were revealed Um it's going to run through Feb- uh, from, Feb- temp- from February 12th in Osaka and end with two nights in Cork and Hall on February 18th and 19th. Um, the first night is going to be headlined with Tanahashi teaming with Mystico and Mascara Dorada to take on Ultimo Guerrero, 
Stuka Jr. and Francesco Akira. As I mentioned earlier, Francesco Akira on the Rudo sides, take note. February 16th in Nagoya and February 17th in uh, Makurai. Faction tag team tournament's going to take place with Ultimo Guerrero and Stuka Jr. facing off against Teton and Bushi of LIJ. Stigma and Picasso will take on Volador Jr. and Magnus. And then the winner of these matches will advance to the finals the following day. The two losers will face off in a third place match on that day as well. Um, Kamaitachi, Hiro Takahashi's mask persona, will be wrestling in CMLL um, and will also be appearing on the tour in tag team matches. I don't know if that actually means that Hiromu will be donning the mask or if it means that he will be um, giving the mask to another talent and we might see them both on the tour together. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, initially I thought it was yeah just going to be Hiromu wrestling as Kamatachi, but yeah, maybe he's going to yeah create uh, a new Kamatachi, possibly. And then um, highlights for the last two nights at Corkin include Rocky Romero facing Volador Jr. and Soberano Jr. Uh, versus Templario on February 18th, and then uh, the final day of the tour we're going to have Mascara Dorada versus Stuka Jr. and Mystico versus Ultimo Guerrero, um, and that is going to do it for those announcements. We got a couple. Quick news items. Windy City Riot is sold out for the current configuration. Um, they did announce that they're going to open up new sections and release additional tickets. Uh, most recently on um, the New Beginning show this past weekend, they said early part of this week. So by the time this show airs, they might have already opened up those tickets. But highly recommend if you want to go to that show, you get your tickets now because I think they're going to sell out. And mm-hmm. I think with the configuration that they're looking to do, it could get all the way up to 7K. Not saying they're going to do 7K, but that's like the max possibility in this building, I think, with a, a wrestling configuration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minoru Suzuki takes on Adam Copeland this Wednesday on Dynamite and will appear at MLW's Intimidation Games on uh, February 29th. So Suzuki's still doing his thing in the States. Um, Josh Alexander defeated Will Ospreay last Thursday on Impact. That match is now available on New Japan World. I heard it's fantastic, so I haven't seen it yet, but I'm hearing really, really great things. And then finally, Yuji Nagata faces Jacob Fatu, as well as Satoshi Kojima will challenge Alex Kane for the MLW title at MLW Super Fight on February 23rd. Nice. Uh, I think let's... uh push these questions to next week and let's uh, end here with recommended match of the week so uh last week i recommended that we watch the iwgp junior tag team title match they put up uh with american dragon uh brian danielson teaming up with curry man aka the fallen angel christopher daniels to defend the titles against reese kataguchi and hiroki goto from hyper battle 2004 I, you know, I'd never seen this match and I watched it uh, just prior to recording the show and I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, bro, Brian Danielson's fucking old. Like, <laughs> we got him here with uh, Christopher Danielson re- defending the junior titles against a young lion Goto and a young lion Taguchi, which were a pretty awesome team. By the way, yeah, they were pretty good. It was weird seeing a, a junior young lion go to. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen quite a bit from the Enochiism period, and I've seen different times where guys wrestled as young lions, but you know, that stuff just wasn't as accessible back then. And when you did get tapes, you didn't see as much from young lion matches. So, um, 
you know, I can't recall too much from that period with them, but getting, getting to see like a junior version of Goto. I mean, he was ripped shredded guy. Um, he was clearly like the bigger bruiser of the two in the match. Um, but I did a little bit of digging and like Taguchi was, uh, he was the senior of the team and like literally a few days after this would go and go on to be entered into the young lion cup and then eventually win the young lion cup that year. And this team had actually already challenged as young lions had already challenged for the junior title the year prior against ghetto and Jado. So they, they pr- clearly had high hopes for this team. Um, and at first it was sort of worked very much. So like sort of an elevated version of a young lion challenging established seniors sort of match. But then it kicked up into another gear and went a bit longer than I was expecting. And we, there was a lot of just really great back and forth action between, you know, Daniels and Danielson versus these two guys. Um, some unexpected high flying from Goto as well as Taguchi um, and some pretty awesome near falls. Um, it, this was not like a blow away match by any means, but it was super enjoyable, especially for just how interesting it was to see young lion versions of Taguchi and Goto. And uh, they, you know, they did the quintessential almost won the match, but gets broken up. And then down the stretch, um, we end up with uh, Brian Danielson hitting a, a massive um, flying headbutt off the top rope and picks the win over, I believe, Taguchi. Yeah, yeah, it was a really fun matchup. And yeah, really just kind of a kind of a cool kind of like time capsule match to watch and kind of see who those guys were. And then, yeah, you had Brian Danielson, you know, kind of that uh, peak, you know, ROH 2000 look and Christopher Daniels as Curry Man that did the whole, you know, he's hot, he's spicy, he tastes great. <laughs> Curry man, and so yeah, uh, that was fun and yeah, really good matchup. It's just like, one of those kind of hitting hidden gem things that you watch. And yeah. I'd go like three and a half plus on this. Yeah, I thought it was just a really, really awesome, enjoyable match. And you know, when people say that nothing good was happening in New Japan during the Dark Ages, that's not true because this was an awesome junior tag team match and the only successful title defense that Daniels and uh, Curry man ever had when they went, when they held the titles. Yeah. Um, then you recommended Luke Jacobs and Ishii, the, the rematch from Rev Pro. I think it was an uprising or epic, epic encounter. Uh, one of those shows. It was from December 16th from the crystal palace, I believe. And this was fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I saw the first match live, uh, all in a weekend. This match was almost as great as that match. I think I went 4.75 on the, um, all in weekend match and I'm like four and a half on this one, but this was like absolutely incredible stuff. And they, they picked up where they left off in August. They're throwing big chops and it's, it's, it's your never style fighting spirit style of matchup where these guys are throwing bombs and firing up. And there was a nasty spot where uh, Luke Jacobs of this nasty looking death Valley driver dropped Ishii right on his head. Um, and so this went from there, and you know, the that that was like the scariest Death Valley driver. I I would call it like a Death Valley spike. I don't even know what the fuck to call it. He landed perpendicular on his head. I, or actually, my video quality wasn't the best, so I couldn't totally tell if he tucked. But like, it looked like he got spiked straight on his head. 
Yeah, that's what it looked like to me too. Like he, yeah, lit, like yeah, went straight up on his head. Uh, so yeah, that was a scary moment there. And but Ishii's Ishii, and it came back, fired up, had a big uh, superplex spot, and that Ishii fired up from. And yeah, they're, they're just throwing bombs, throwing big lariats, big chops. Um, but in the end, Ishii was able to hit the brainbuster on Luke Jacobs. And it was a cool story too because Luke Jacobs was kind of uh, avenging all these losses that he had throughout the year. He defeated. Uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and he was on the path to try and beat everybody that beat him that year. So Ishii was like next on his list, but he was not able to uh, beat Ishii. But uh, really great stuff here. Yeah, I, I was really blown away with this match. And at first, I I sort of thought like, okay, we're just seeing a a standard Ishii style match. You know, you fit in X Y Z wrestler, and and he carries them to an incredible match. But it just kept turning up. And turning up and turning up and i mean this was a lean mean i mean i think they went 16 17 minutes it wasn't like the longest match in the world but um you know uh both guys ended up kicking out at one um which apparently is extremely controversial thing to do nowadays <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the match was i think that not only do, am i very impressed with luke jacobs as i have been in the past but i think Ishii must like working with him because he just gave him so fucking much. Like he must see something in the kid because this match just ruled. And um, dude, the, yeah. the headbutts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the headbutts and the fire up spots and the fighting spirit. Like this is this was like like a a really good like third match on like a sixteenth night of the G one type of match where you're like fuck. She did it again. Like this was awesome. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, you need to go out of your way and, and definitely watch it. I'm four and a half on this one for sure. Nice. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you have any recommendations for this week? Yeah, you know what? I think we're gonna go uh south of the border down to Arena uh, Mexico, CMLL. I mean, by the end of the year, maybe we wouldn't consider this one, but I think we should check out what's going on with a uh, newest signee, Sobrano Jr. He had a match on December 22nd with Atlantis Jr. hot off the, you know, I think this was just after the World Tag League run. And, uh, you know, didn't they team together? Yes. Yes, they did, yeah. But in CMLL, they were feuding because of the heel turn. And I heard that this match was really great, sitting at an 8.5 on cage match. So I think we should check this one out. Atlantis Jr., Soberano Jr., December 22nd. All right, and I think for me, we should wa- make sure we watch uh, Big Cope and uh, Minoru Suzuki uh, this Wednesday and talk about it next week. Okay, awesome. All right, well, that's going to... <sighs> what, a, what a cathartic, a cathartic <laughs> show to get all this Okada stuff off of our chest. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens uh, in the next uh, coming days and weeks with uh, Okada where he's going to end up uh, in the future. Yeah, we. I, I hope that you guys appreciated our uh, coverage because I feel like we felt like we dug deep on this one. Yeah. Well, next week we'll be back to uh, review the uh, two row two shows from Cork and Hall and preview the rest of the New Beginning tour. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com/slash/donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media on X. Follow us at KI Strong Style. Follow the network at Suplex. Follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. Follow us at Facebook.com slash Social Suplex on Reddit. I'm the Pro Black Eye. Josh is keeping a strong style. 
join our Social Suplex Discord server to interact with us and other wrestling fans. Link in the description. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Tomowitz. Imps WWE Adventure with the Implications, Matthew Mayer. Wrestling Art with Chris Things. Tunnel Talk with Ali, Ann, and Leah. And the Trish and Sarah Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.